everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 183. Hooray! Why do I take a drink at the start every single time? I, I, subliminal messaging. <laughs> it's like every time we start recording, I do a count in before I hit record. And then I take a drink right at the end of it every single time. Oh. After, it, like, after, you know... <clears throat> Someday I'll learn. All these episodes, you might have figured out that you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you would think, right? There are hamsters that learn this kind of shit faster than I do. Oh, anyway, we're back. Uh, we were away for a couple of weeks, two weeks, I think. Um, the real, real world got in and all that good stuff. But we're back. If you're, this is your first time you've downloaded our podcast. Welcome to Glitch Free Gaming. Uh, and it's basically three idiots that talk about video games and board games for a couple hours, then we all go home, and then we do it again next week. Yeah. More or less. More or less. I've actually... You're saying back after two weeks. I've not been here in, like, eight. Oh, God, yeah. Jesus. Jesus. And he came back. He found his way back. Took me a while. They wouldn't let me on the plane after my holiday. I had to row a boat. You're like, you're not allowed to switch on the plane. That's, that's against the rules. New, yep. The new laws that Trump has put in place. I was actually worried about that with the switch, but got through no problems. Switch is fantastically easy to take on an aeroplane. I had to take my switch out of my bag, but it went through fine. Because you know they do that oh. thing where you go through a security and they're like, take tablets out of your bag. I was like, then you yeah, take no. this out, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's the fucking See, tablet, mate. What are you I, talking about? I was like, I actually, <laughs> I was, I had to take it out in Glasgow, but on the way back through, like going through New York, JFK, like the securest freaking airport in the states, <laughs> I asked if I had to take my switch out the bag, and the guy went, Nah, you're all right, mate. Uh, like, okay then. That's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I took my my 3DS. Uh, that didn't. Uh, the last time I was on a plane, that didn't. They didn't complain about that. Yeah, they're usually fine with those. Yeah, yeah. it's specifically tablets. Like the, even Kindles, they're usually actually okay with. Yeah, right. Laptops, I, I asked last time I took my Kindle with me. Bigger tablets. Hmm. I, I never had a problem with the switch, and actually, yeah, I had to take it out in Glasgow. Never had to take it out in any of the three securities I did in the states. <laughs> Yeah. They knew they, what they were there. There's more of them. Just, everyone's got one. I'm like, oh, it's a Switch. It's <laughs> that is like, oh, it's one of those Nintendo things you're cool with. Or they knew how rare it was. They're like, nah, no terrorists should try to put a bomb in one of those because there's like six of them in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, shall we talk about some video games? That's probably a good I idea. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, why don't we start with uh, well, both uh, Paul and Kieran, because you both played some Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. We did. Not together. So, no, no, clearly not, because uh, Paul was rowing a boat with a switch in it, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> Paul, why don't you start us off? Because I know you've just started playing it, and Kieran, you've you you got the game when it first came out. Yeah, I so... talked about it a little bit before. Yeah, uh, yeah so... so in terms of just kind of starting it, I actually started it two, two, three weeks ago, just after I got back from holiday. Um, and I put a little bit of time in it because I had two-ish days to recover before I went back to work. 
Um, so I stuck those kind of two days in uh, Andromeda. I'm really enjoying the start of it. Um, I think I've got into it at a time when all of the complaints about gameplay and animations and all that kind of stuff has been patched out and fixed. Kind of glad I didn't get it at the start. Um, fun game. Does it feel like a Mass Effect game? Not really. Yeah, that, that I've definitely this definitely felt like that to me as well. Um, doesn't feel overly like a Mass Effect game, other than the bit at the start when you see someone in N seven armor. <laughs> other than that, not really. Um, same kind of world and stuff, but. It, yeah, so like a lot of the mechanics are the same as well. Like the conversation tree yeah. stuff's all kind of the same, but there's just something about the feel of like the writing of it that it doesn't feel yeah. like the same. The... It doesn't feel as good. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> at its core. Yes, at its core, it's not as good as the original trilogy. But does that mean it's not fun? No, I'm actually really enjoying it. Uh, I'm enjoying the premise of it the whole kind of base building mechanic and finding places to establish more bases and choosing what those bases then become if it's for supplies or science research or stuff like that that's the kind of crap i enjoy it was actually one of my favorite parts of the assassin's creed games when they did that in brotherhood yeah so actually really enjoy it um wish wish it was easier to scan all the planets in a, a solar system yeah that's at least better now you definitely jumped in a better time for that because at launch um you know when you're switching between planets it has that animation where it zooms out and then zooms yep. into the next yep. one you couldn't yes. skip that at launch ah and okay. so it took literally a minute and a half to get between planets and then yeah, you're and then, scanning it, and then you're going a minute and a half together. So I just didn't scan anything for the first couple of hours of that game. And then, you know, after scanning the six or four or whatever planets in each solar system, you then jump out to the galaxy map and jump to another solar system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is more animations which and loading more, screens and stuff. Yeah, um, I, I have found the loading screens and the loading times are very long for a game on PS4. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been playing on PC. I rebuilt my PC primarily for that game, and then realized that that game was not that good. Yeah, you didn't like it that much. <laughs> no, the uh, the load times on PS4 are actually pretty long. Um, should they be that long for what they're graphically giving you and this the area they're giving you when you're loading missions? No, they shouldn't. So that's uh, I just look on PS4 because it actually looks really nice on PC in places on ps4 it looks okay i mean if you want to talk game that gives you open scope and looks good horizon zero dawn shits all over the top of this um yeah the no. planets are not that open there's open. not that much space to render there's not that much they need to be putting in there for those load times to take that much time and graphically it just doesn't add up the load times yeah. on PS4. That is probably my only complaint. I am never normally one to complain about graphics 
Yeah. Or, you know, frame rate or anything like that. I'm actually very disappointed in that. Um, expected a bit better from it. So, but, you know, other than that, I'm actually really enjoying it. I think the storyline, while, well, you know, not amazingly written, is interesting enough to keep me engaged in and keep me playing. But I don't know if that's the storyline that's doing that or just the part of me that really likes, you know, how, setting you, setting how you far out. Into, how far into it are you, out of curiosity? I've just gotten to the point where you meet the first new race that you befriend and you're trying to help them do stuff on some of their other planets because they're a race spread over like three solar systems yeah yeah so I kind of got to there and then and we're still kind of relatively positive about the story like you are okay and then kept playing and wasn't (laughs) because after that um there's not. It just becomes. There's a lot less story. It becomes a lot more of. Here's a bunch of planets that you go into an open world thing and do a bunch of side missions in, and the story will maybe show up again at some point. Oh, not, does it have the? Um, does it have the Mafia Three effect? Kinda, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's still okay. more. There's still more world building than Mafia Three, but it's still. Like, all the side quests are, hey, by the way, look at me, I'm an Australian space alien. It's like, great, this is just like Farscape. I love Farscape. And then, it's not. (laughs) Fair enough. I'll I'll try and get a bit more of it played over the next week or so, and see if I remain as positive then. Um, At the minute, I'm currently running around a frosty, frosty snow planet with some spaceships flying around on it uh, yeah i did the other planet first i'm actually i've just been doing the snow planet now as well so we're actually kind of at the same spot although i finished one other planet as well i ah, see i need to go actually do the other planet first yeah, so the, so. the other planet's a jungle planet and that's why i was saying that graphically it looks good in places so i think that yeah. first planet you go to the kind of deserty one looks really nice the snow planet looks really nice that jungle planet yeah, looks snow- like garbage it's like really ugly, which is disappointing because Dragon Age Inquisition had amazing looking like kind of jungles and forests and stuff. Yeah, they, they didn't quite pull it off with this one. No, they didn't. Um, so at the moment, only thing that disappoints me on PS4 version of it is load times and graphics. Story remains okay while underwhelming. And that's, that's yeah, pretty much all I've got to say about it. I've not got far enough in it to pass overarching judgment like Kieran is. <laughs> well, I mean, we're pretty much at the same spot. I've finished one extra planet than you. But I don't feel super positive about it just now. It's weird, because it's one of those games where a lot of the core things are good. Like, I think the combat's really fun. I think the actual open world stuff's fine. I think... Yeah. The story and writing's not great, but it's you know it works. Yeah. But I I think I need to push forward, and I hope that at some point there is some kind of actual driving force because you know like all the Mass Effect games up until now have had that kind of thing where there is something pushing you to continue. You know, like you're fighting the Reapers or you're fighting the Collectors or you're fighting the Geth, and there's something there's like a clear kind of goal of they're yeah. trying to do this you're trying to stop this you know you're trying whatever this one is just kind of like eh, you showed up yeah there's no definite, that, i guess 
Yeah, there's no definitive goal. Yeah, it's like there's there's planets that we need to inhabit, and also, I guess there's the Ket who seem to be bad guys, but we've not we're not really going to flesh them out at all ever. So don't worry about it. Just shoot them. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the whole point of like you're you're shooting some of your own people at some stage, or who you feel are your own people, and you're like, what? That okay? Yeah, you're like, I thought the whole point of this was that we came to colonize these planets, and some of the ships didn't show up, so there's not many of us. Should we really be running around shooting some of the ones that are left? <laughs> because they didn't agree with the you know the commander of the vessel. Um, hang on you a minute. Yeah, you don't really get much of a choice to. I don't know if later on you do or not, but you don't get much of a choice to look into that at all. They're just like. Uh, at some point, there was a rebellion, and a bunch yeah. of people that came in the colony ship were like, uh, "We don't agree with how this is being run," and they left. Yeah, and but then they give you the guys. option of. <laughs> they're like they're the bad guys. The option, <laughs> like, shoot them, like. Instead of talking to them and seeing where they're like, you know, the problem lies. No, no, just shoot them in the face. Okay. Yeah, there's never the only the only uh, time they even remotely do that is with the Krogans. Yeah. Because yeah. they specifically say the Krogans all left, but they weren't part of the rebellion. They fought against the rebellion, but didn't get any of the stuff they were promised for fighting against the rebellion. So they all left, and it's like okay. Yeah, but there's. They're on bad terms with us, but they don't want to kill us. Yeah, but that kind of implies that the people that were defending against the rebellion were kind of dicks, so maybe the rebellion weren't that bad. (laughs) But there's no, at least so far, there's no story stuff that kind of goes, by the way, these guys aren't as bad, or anything like that. It's just like, no, shoot them. They're targets. Shoot them. Don't think (laughs) too much about it. Yeah. Just shoot them. Exactly. It's like the division thing. Where the division's like, oh, you want to say that's sealed up. People started looting and stuff like that because, you know, there's no food or water, so they have to look for it. Shoot them. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> no, what are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I've got anything else to add about Mass Effect. No, um, I don't either <laughs> at the present moment. So, instead of us two talking, how about we hand it over to Mike, who's been playing... Micro machines, which I want to know if this is any good or not. Oh, you should have Crap probe machines. Or two weeks ago. Yeah. Is it still garbage? <laughs> so, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yes and no. Um, so I played some more, and remember how I was saying about the 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 gameplay, you know, the, the controlling of the cars, and it felt a bit loose, and it felt quite difficult. That is, yes, it is quite difficult, but it is possible for you to get good at it. Hmm. Um, so, in other words, you know, it's more by design than anything else then. Um, yeah, I've, I've been having fun in the races, uh, The rate, but the races are short. So, you know, and I've been doing all right. I did a couple of ranked uh, matches and just the usual online matches, the casual ones and i can win quite a few times when i'm doing the the casual stuff the ranked ones i think i think i won one race uh, and then you know your your results may vary because it is it's mario kart style racing you've got power-ups and you know people 
people can knock you off the track and uh, yeah so you you can you know go from being dead last to going right at the front of the pack and vice versa as well um so that's okay you know um as the game plays fantastic had a good time but they've uh, they've patched it hooray but the patches didn't work boo <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you try and get a match now and i've i tried on four separate nights to get back into it because i was I, I was getting into it slowly but surely and and this is despite all the problems that it had. So, Paul, one of the things that we were talking about, the, the biggest thing about it is yeah. when you try and get you try and get into a game to have a game, uh, you get into a game, there's no lobby system. You say, I want to play a, a race. So it finds you a match and says, we found a match, and you go in, you pick a car, and then it all loads up and you get to the race. You do your race. At the end of the race, you get flung back to the main menu. So you have to go through all of that again. The, you can't create a lobby and invite your friends. You have to basically get into a match and then invite your buddy. Um, or you can create a party and you can go through this whole system together. Uh, there's no... So there's no online infrastructure at all. You can't create a party. You can't create a lobby. You There's no playlists. So you, you race one match and then you're back out and you have to go through the whole thing again. But one of the things that when the patches came through and what they did was they took off the, there was a level cap before you could do the rank matches. They've done away with that and they are now doing the, the special events. They're happening uh, more often than not. So the special event, the last one that I seen was arcade mode. They made it easier for you to get the power-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, right, okay. <laughs> Cheers, thanks for that. <laughs> Didn't really get what it did. Um, yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't get into the matches. So I've tried on four separate days now to get back into it. And every time I get in, I'll get into a match. And at one point before the end of the match, I get kicked out. Oh. Uh, and yeah, that's it. So complete waste of money. Don't buy it. Uh, and that is. It's breaking my heart because the gameplay, the races themselves and the tracks are really cool. The game looks really, really good, but they've it's been half-arsed. It's, it feels like it's been rushed out the door. It's a shame. Yeah. yeah. You expect better from Codemasters. You do. Yes. Yeah, so... Taking this over and kind of reskinned it and... Well, they've had the license for micro machines before. Yeah. So, and they did the the last game, uh, and I've forgotten the the name again. Kieran, the one we looked online. I uh, remember. Uh, yeah, racing but, on the table, superstars. Yeah, some. Yeah. Yeah, that thing. Some. Yeah, but that was a Codemasters game as well, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah. So yeah. it was an unlicensed yeah. micro machines, basically. Yeah. So the gameplay has never went anywhere. Toy the, box, and box. I imagine the, the people that have made it have not went anywhere. So pass. I don't know. Uh, somebody yeah. shit the bed on that one. Definitely. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, as much as I care to say about it. Uh, I tried it again 
couldn't get back into it, and then I ended up playing something else, which we'll talk about later on. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, Kieran, you picked up the Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I like the way, so we have a, a document here. <laughs> and what we do is we put all the games that we're going to talk about. And Kieran has put Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Super HD Remix Turbo 2.75, which is probably not too far away from you know, one of the versions they, yeah, of the names. I can't remember if they gave any silly subtitles to Birth by Sleep. Yes. Yeah, it not might have actually bad. just been, I think that might just have HD on it. Um, yeah, I picked up. Was it one point five plus two point five remix final? Yes, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, for PS Four. Um, jumped into Birth by Sleep because that's the Kingdom Hearts game that I've not played before. Because that was a uh-huh. PSP game, and I, in all of my great levels of logic and wisdom, had a PSP Go, and that game yes. came out digitally. So, I started playing this and I quite like it so far um, it's very much a PSP game they've done a decent job yes. kind of making the graphics look nicer but uh, mm-hmm. the main thing that still gives away the fact that it's a portable game is all of the areas are very small and uh, very they've all got very hard edges like they've redone all the textures and stuff like that so the textures look relatively crisp and nice but then you actually look uh-huh. at the environment and it's still just like oh that's a platform that's literally like three polygons that's like a, a really <laughs> hard edge thing that just looks like uh it looks like it's been you know upraised from something lower which it has been which is fair yeah um i'm not super far into it i'm like two worlds into it i've done the kind of starting stuff the tutorial stuff and uh sleeping beauty is the first world you go to and oh yeah yeah, so far I feel, it yeah. feels like a really good uh, kind of harsh game. I like the stuff they've done with the combat in that one. Yeah, so what character are you playing with? Uh, I started as uh, the most forgettable of them. The big dude. Oh, the oh the big, yeah, the big burly dude. Yeah, yeah. I was told yeah. that or I, the order they're in on the menu is him, then Ventus, then Aqua. Whose names yeah. I can remember because they're one of them is just Sora, and Aqua is, you know, memorable because she's a female playable character in a Kingdom Hearts game, so that's rare. Um, <laughs> I can't remember his name now, though. Uh, but yeah, I'm playing this him so far. All right. I played it, and I completed it with Aqua, and I don't ever think I... I think I started it with one of the other characters, and I, I need to go back and yeah. complete it, but it was it was very good, and I think... I think the worlds you go to, the the order uh, differs depending on the character, but I'm not 100% sure. That makes sense. But I assume it's all the same worlds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, at the moment, I've went to the Sleeping Beauty world, and now I'm kind of partway through the Cinderella one. The Cinderella one turns into like an escort mission partway through, and I was like, I'll play this later. (laughs) I was playing this at like 1 a.m. on a Sunday or something. I was like, I need to go work tomorrow. I'm not doing a fucking escort mission just now. It's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> time for this. Um, but I like the changes they made to the combat in it because to make up for the fact that you don't have any party members with you because it was on the PSP and they, can, they were cutting corners wherever they could to make it run. Um, yeah. You are by yourself, but you're slightly stronger and more manoeuvrable. Um, you've got a little dash, which I don't know if two had, but I know if Nafter did. Um, I can't remember. But 
you have a bunch of spells that you can use, and as you use them, it builds up a command meter, which, when that's filled, gives you basically a, a surge attack, which basically just makes your regular attacks way stronger. And then when you've done those for a bit, it builds up another meter, and then you do like a big finisher attack that kills things and you know barely hits. But then also if you use different types of spells as that surge is going, the surge will change into a different type of surge, and you'll do a different type of finishing attack. Right. So the dude that I'm playing as a big burly dude, almost all his attacks are just kind of big melee things. So he builds up the big kind of big melee finisher. But I got right. a blizzard spell. And I started using that through it. And so if I use that enough times, my surge turns into a blizzard one. And that means I do a big kind of icy finisher attack instead that does a big area of effect thing that shoots ice everywhere and kills a bunch of people. I think it's kind of a cool system. Um, And then also you can... uh, I forget, they call it like D-Link or something like that. Where you... It's kind of like summons, but it doesn't actually summon the person. But basically you make... You make friendships with people, sort of. Although one of them's Maleficent, so maybe not. You meet people and then right. randomly gain their powers. And they basically have a... You know, like all the Kingdom Hearts games have the selection of actions that you can add to a... Uh, you, like, equip them, basically, and those are the ones that you're switching between to use. And every character that you have a link with also has a selection of these... Uh, abilities that are kind of unique to them and you can switch out to one of those at any given time which drains another meter there's like seven meters on screen at any given time in this game and as that's draining it changes all of your actions for their ones and the more you use Mm -hmm. those the stronger they will get and you'll level up that character even though that character is not actually there so it's this kind of cool thing that lets you change up the way you're playing without actually changing character which I'm quite liking so far um, and then there's this whole like crafting system where you can take spells and attacks and craft them into other spells and attacks by fusing them together. And so like I fused the, uh, I think it was like, it was like a charge attack where you like charge towards enemies and hit them with your keyblade. And I fused that with a blizzard spell. And so now I've got a spell where I charge in front, I charge into an enemy and then freeze them. Which mm-hmm. is just a cool system, which I don't think... I mean, it's been a while since I've played Kingdom Hearts 2 is the main thing. I need to go back and play that as well now. But I don't think that was in 2. It definitely wasn't in 1, which is the one I've played most recently. Yeah. Um, but I'm liking it so far. Uh, the the worlds are definitely a lot smaller, but if there's a decent amount of them, I'm kind of alright with that. Like, I don't mind if I can blast through a bunch of worlds relatively quickly. Yeah, I... I'm I'm trying to I I know I enjoyed it when I played it on the on the PSP and it did feel you could get through a certain gets to a certain point though and towards the end the the kind of ender levels are a little bit bigger and a little bit longer and the final boss is a complete nightmare if I remember correctly. So I did a little bit of research on what characters to play as in what order before I started playing. But from what I understand, the last boss in Aqua's story is like one of the hardest bosses in the Kingdom Hearts series. So, right. But okay, the other two don't fight. Him. Like I didn't, I didn't look enough into it to like spoil the story and see how you fight as and whatever. But uh-huh. her last boss, because technically the order is meant to be, I genuinely can't remember this guy's name. I keep wanting to call him Gladio, but this is a dude from 
15. Um, right. But he reminds me of him. Uh, Fake Gladio, uh, Ven, and then Aqua is supposed to be the order of them because uh, the first dude's story is apparently relatively self-contained compared to the other two. And then Ven and Aqua's right. story interject with each other a bunch. So Right. That's what I read, at least. I, I've not played enough to actually know. So We'll find out. But I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. I'll probably play more of it. Um, it runs really good on PS4, as you'd kind of expect. You know, they've bumped it up. It's yes. nice. The frame rate's real nice. Uh, it plays well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only thing yeah. was that with some of them, the, the, the intro vi- some of the intro videos are missing, I think. Oh, or I am I... I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Um, for Birth by Sleep, I probably just wouldn't have noticed because I haven't played the original, so I... Right. Um, Kingdom Hearts 2 definitely still has... Actually, there's there's definitely an intro video still on Birth by Sleep. Uh, no. Oh, no, I'm... I'm getting my uh, HD remix collections uh, oh, all mixed up. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of Wipeout, yeah. Wipeout, Wipeout is definitely missing some things. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, King of Hearts. Yeah. Pretty good. I've not played that yet. Wipeout or King of Hearts? Or either. Wipeout. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, Paul, you have played Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Demo... Demo. It's still Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Yeah, the I actually really, I really, really liked this. I thought it was fun. I like the way that it handles now. Um, well, you, when I told you I enjoyed it here, and you took a, an absolute dump all over the top of it. <laughs> I I didn't really like how it felt that much. But I also part of it also for me is just I didn't like the way it looked. I I think it looks really. Yeah, like sterile and dull, like, which is a weird thing for a Marvel vs. Capcom game because three was so shiny and explosive and crazy shit happening all the time. And this one just mm-hmm. kind of looks like a slightly. See, and I think that's why I actually mode. like it more because it's more calm, collected, and controlled. I've got a bunch of other calm, collected, and controlled games. Like if I wanted that, I'd play Street Fighter Five or I was going to say Tekken, but Tekken's not really that. I, I, weirdly, I think it played more like an Injustice game, which is why I actually think I kind of liked it more. Yeah, I can see that. I didn't think it played as well as Injustice, though. It's the only thing. Like, I thought it was fine. I think I, I, I come off as super negative I've on not, it. Just I've not really played like Injustice 2, so I can't pass comment. But. I've not played Injustice 2 either. I just quite like... Uh, it wasn't even super into the first one of those, actually. I like the story of it. That's the other thing. Like, the story mode stuff that's in that demo did not grab me at all. Where they were trying to do the injustice thing of, or the Mortal Kombat thing of, they're talking now, they're just straight into a fight, but everything they're talking about seems like the worst. Just the worst. <laughs> uh. See, and the opposite thing is, I actually really like the story stuff that we're doing in that demo. That's fair. I would never normally go out and play like one of those games. I'd play it if someone had it. But yeah. I'd never go out and buy it or anything like that. I'm actually intrigued to go buy and do that because I want to know what the story is. That's fair. I know, I... So... I, I'm yeah, interested no. in this though. I will probably rent it. I'm not going to buy it. 
I don't buy that many fighting games um, anyway. Yeah. So I'll probably rent it. But, yeah, it's, it's intriguing. I enjoyed it. I like the way it looks, the, the way they've changed the, the look up. I like that it's a bit more calm and collected because I couldn't really play the other ones that well because of how chaotic it was. I'm not that kind of style of player. I'd probably still get my ass handed to me playing any human opponent. But <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the demo and I've actually went back and played it more than once. So That's fair. Thoroughly thought that was very good. I like the, the gem stuff that they've added to it. Infinity gem. We can pick up uh, one of the Infinity Gems during a fight and it give you a boost of some kind. It's a, a cool system to bring back because it was in uh, it wasn't Marvel's Capcom game it was one of the Marvel fighters they did before they did the crossover ones. I can't remember what it's called. Yes. Yeah. But it was like an old arcade game. They did basically the same thing where you could pick up one of these gems and it would give you a boost or it would slow down time or it would you know make you stronger or something like that which is cool but yeah i don't know i'll give it a chance because i i like the last one i like a lot of the characters that are in that in fact they like just announced a bunch of new ones at comic-con like as we are recording this like they've announced spider-man frank west mike hagar and nemesis are going to be in it Right. Which is good, because those were uh, the characters. In- yeah, I like the I like the new additions, I like the new characters. I like the Captain Marvels in there. Cause, yes. Because Captain Marvels, great. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed playing with Mega Man in the demo. Yeah. Um, I, I like that they've... Who else did I enjoy? Dante. Yeah, Dante's always good. Enough. Really enjoyed playing with Dante. Yeah, um, enjoyed the little bit of storyline in the demo between him and Rocket Raccoon with the guns. <laughs> Thought that was actually quite funny. Yeah. But no, I, I've played it more than once. I went back and played it again. I'm looking forward to it. Again, probably won't buy it, but we'll play it. My favourite thing about that game has been how the internet has reacted to that game and Dragon Ball Z fighters getting announced. Because the like so much of the fighting game community has just started making so many memes of Dragon Ball Z fighters beating up Marvel vs. Capcom. <laughs> Being like, <laughs> we did it, we're doing it better. We're doing <laughs> your thing. We're doing your thing, but it's better. Look at it. We've got the Guilty Gear graphics. And it's like, oh, it's so true. Oh. But is it the new uh, Blaze Blue Cross something 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 game? Oh fuck! We'll talk about that in the news section. But I, I'm looking forward to. I love the arc. Is just like, hey, what if all of our games were tag games now? And it's like, yeah, fine, fuck it. You do that. <laughs> yes. Get on board with a couple of tag games. Cool. Yeah. Um, you still there, Paul? 
Paul's having some internet issues just now. So Barely. My internet is not well. <laughs> it, it, it's dying. Um, <laughs> all right. A painful well, death by the, the sounds of you two. <laughs> Uh, you don't have access to the list just now, do you? Cause you okay. No, I don't. So I actually don't know who can... Who, who's talking about what next? <laughs> Mike, let's talk about That's You, because we both played that. Yes. Uh, I played it yeah. multiple times now. I'm pretty happy with that. Cool. Um, I did... So I, I only played it with myself and uh, the wife and... Uh, so we might have had a different experience from you. Yeah. How many players did you play with? Uh, I played it first with four players, then with two players, and yeah, it's, it's quite a different game with two players. Right, okay. So the two-player game is... It's weird. It's kind of a, a cooperative game, so they what they do is they, they say, right, we're going to try... You're playing to get as more, more, many points as possible. Mm-hmm. And then what you're doing is you're... I think the question, I don't know if the questions are the same. So the questions that you get in a single player game, or it feels like a single player game, but a two player game, is you, they set up a situation and they say, we're doing the Halloween quiz. And it's a picture of a haunted house. And they ask questions all about one of of you. So they say, um, there's trick-or-treaters at the door, for example, and... uh, there's a couple of kids that are not dressed up. What does this person do? And it gives you a choice. Does he say, well, a party's a party and, you know, gives them candy or doesn't give them candy because he thinks the, the the costumes are not good enough and then you vote. Um, there's a couple of questions like that. Then there is with, uh, the, the copy one. So they show you a picture and uh, you have to copy that picture and somebody's either pulling a face or they're doing a pose or something and you uh, have to copy that picture uh, and then everyone votes on which one they think is the funniest. Yeah, uh, because yeah. So, yeah, we didn't explain this at the start but people don't know that's you as uh, Sony's new game where oh, yes. they do the kind of jackbox thing where it runs on your phone uh, although I not as easily as uh, Jackbox, but it's all right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you take pictures of yourself to copy the stuff that's there and things. Yeah, um, yeah. All um, those many, all those kind of like micro game kind of things that are in there, like the different types of questions, stuff like that, are all in the four player one as well. But the way you right. get points is slightly different. Because <coughs> right, four player, okay. you're competing against each other to get the most points. And so it'll be like, right. So say it was us three. It's like, oh, um, question cop be like, trick or treaters come up and you know are looking for candy. Does Paul would Paul do what one of these three things or whatever it is, and everyone votes yeah. on the one they want, and Paul likes the one that he thinks is true because he is Paul, so he would know. And ah, uh, uh, right. So Paul, 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 correct. Paul selects the correct answer. Exactly, which is how the yeah. Which is how it works for two player as well, but for two player, you're trying to both get the same so that you both get an accumulated yes. amount of points. Whereas right. yeah, in that's right. Whereas in uh, more than two player, you're trying to compete to be the one with the most points because it switches between all of you. Um, yeah. But then there's also a handful of other little games. So there's ones like 
similar thing where it gives like a situation, but instead of having a selection of answers for you to pick between, everyone writes an answer. But then all mm-hmm. the written answers come up and then you get to select between them. So the person that it's about might still have picked something different from what they wrote. They might have like someone else's written answer might actually have been closer to what they think and they it just hadn't came to their mind, so they select that instead. Which is a kind of weird thing. Uh, but then there's a lot more photo based ones in the multi uh, the higher player count one. So, right. Um try to think there was definitely the posing one there was one where it was like it would say here's a situation take a photo of one of the other people doesn't matter who and then everyone has to draw on that photo it gets sent to their phone and they have to draw on that photo to make it yes. fit that situation yeah so the one we got was like uh camping so they took someone took a picture of me and then everyone like drew like a fire in front of me and you know a tent behind me and stuff like that. Um, right. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, and the last round in both the games we played when we were playing four player had probably my favorite kind of mode of it, and I kind of wish you could just play that over and over, which is kind of one of the limiting things about this game to me. Um, it's a game where everyone takes like a photo of themselves. Uh, with like uh-huh. a kind of prompt, but the prompt's really vague. It'll just be like you know, look shocked or something like that. And then right. everyone you know, shuffles them, gives them to everyone, and everyone gets a different prompt, or everyone past that point gets the same prompt, but it's different from the one that the person got when they took the photo. And you have to draw yeah. on it to make them like that. And then they do that until everyone has had everyone's picture and drawn a bit on it. And then they all go up, and everyone has to vote right. on which one's the best. So, for example, we got. Um. Um, one of my friend's girlfriends, uh, her prompt was just like look shocked, but the prompt we all got was draw her as a zombie. So uh... we're all taking turns. Like the first person coloured in her skin green. Uh, next person like made her like vomiting blood and stuff like that, and so you end up with this <laughs> last picture that's just like this photo of her that's just been drawn all over and made her look horrific zombie-ish, um, and all of them are like that. Uh, friend of the show, Nathan, ended up with uh, his picture being turned into oh, I can't remember, it was a robot I can't remember if it gave us much more beyond a robot, but we made it really rude, so it was a really rude right. robot <laughs> um, yeah, mine was a wizard uh, my girlfriend's was a judge Like they, they, they were pretty it was pretty fun to do, and it kind of the only thing I found uh-huh. is that with four people, and I can't imagine how it'd be with more than four people, but with four people, by the time you got to that third round, like you were the last when you were the last one to get someone's image, there wasn't really much you could add to it usually, right? Because you get plenty of time to add stuff to it. It's not just like add a line and then move it on. It's like you've got like you know fifteen seconds to draw something, so you've got plenty of time to you know, add something to it. But uh, I quite like that bit. Right. That's probably my favourite part of that game. Um, but I don't know. Uh, did you? How did you find, like, the overall kind of, like, presentation of it and the, you know, the game overall? Um, yeah, we, we kind we we liked it. So put it on and... So we put it on and... Uh, 
played through the first one and and said you know that was quite good it wasn't too bad and she did something uh whenever we're playing either board games or just uh, video games or games in general whenever if she does the let's play it again and straight back into it i always take that as well she enjoyed it so we we played two games back to back yeah i i thought it was quite good the you have to download a separate app for it yeah which was a, a little bit fiddly to get it to connect i thought um yeah ours was mostly fine but yeah you have to all be connected to like the same wi-fi which is yes. weird but i get yeah. why it is and i get also like why you need the app because it's using the camera so you they don't really have much choice. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We, uh, Anne got kicked out, um, I think, because she tried to do something else on her phone or she got a message uh, come through and it kicked, it kicked her out. Um, but other than that, it was, you know, from a tech point of view, yeah, it was okay. Mm. Yeah. I liked it. it. I felt that there could have been a little bit more to it, though. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels. Well, I, I initially didn't like the theme of it because the theme is like you're journeying to various locations yes. and you get like a bunch of themed questions and stuff like that. And the host originally seems just kind of dry and not very funny. But then I found the more you listen to what he's actually saying, all of the humour in that game is really dark. Like, yes, almost all of his jokes are really fucked up and you're like, oh, I, I didn't. Hmm. I didn't really pick up on that right away, and then after a few rounds, I was like, "Wait a minute! Did he just say, oh, okay?" <laughs> um, but I, I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. I did find like some weird kind of issues with it, like it's all these kind of static shots of you know you're inside a train or you're you know in a park or whatever, but. The frame rate as it switches between them is really bad, which to be fair, it looks really pretty. Um, uh-huh. They do really well with the fact that it doesn't have to animate a whole lot, except for you know the cards that you're you know drawing onto or taking pictures onto. Or whatever. Yeah, but you know the the overall world they don't have to animate very much. But the moment they do, and they animate the transition like into the suitcase or out of the suitcase into a different location, I just found that the whole frame rate just chugged real bad. <laughs> um, I found I found that when it was going when it was going from the suitcase to somewhere else, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I quite liked overall. Um, and this is Sony's. This is part of Sony's uh, kind of move to do a bunch of these kind of Jackbox style games. I can't remember what they called it. It's like Playlink or something. Uh, um, yeah. Which yeah, something thing, like that. The thing that slightly worries me about that is that the app for it is not called Playlink, it is called That's You, so that implies that all of these games are going to have their own apps. Well, yeah, the thing is, if you have a look at the app now, it's been updated, so it's called, it, the app is still called uh, That's You, but underneath it now, so there was the little icon for the game, yeah. underneath it, it now has the PlayStation logo, and it says Playlink for, P- for PlayStation. Uh-huh. I wonder if part of that's because people were just downloading it thinking it was its own thing and then realised, oh wait, this I can't do anything with this unless I get PS4. Uh, well, uh, you can actually play, that's the other thing, you can play the game without the PlayStation 4. Oh really? Yes, there's a pass and play mode. I didn't notice that, that's quite cool. Yeah. 
Um, um, I don't think it's the same game, obviously, but no, you know there is there's yeah there's a, a pass and play game that you can play. Yeah, I might try that out because I quite liked playing the two player. Uh, I think I preferred the four player just because it was a bit funnier and sillier. Whereas two player was just kind of like, well, how how well do you know your girlfriend? And it's like, well, yeah, we've been together a few years, so not <laughs> at all really, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we we did alright. It, <laughs> it was fun, but yeah, it's no Jackbox. No, I am looking forward to playing a four gear, a four gear plane, a four player <laughs> game of it. Uh, but yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Jackbox does have better games. Yeah, um, but it, it's yeah. it's good. It's a good attempt. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, and it's free just now for PlayStation Plus. People should download it because it will eventually cost money. Yes. Yeah, I've downloaded it even though I've not played it. So it's worth it. And... Cool. Are you back with us, Paul? I am for the moment. Do I tell us about more Sport Manager 2 then? I do. I really, <laughs> really do. I've So I've not played many games in the last six to eight weeks. Motorsports Manager 2 came out last Thursday. I have played at least two or three hours of it every day since. Jesus. Is this on iPad? No, well, yeah, it's on, it's on iPad, iPhone, it's on iOS. Um, the original was called Motorsports Manager. This is called Motorsports manager mobile 2 because of course they released the sony bought the company or helped them publish the steam version of it um so they they're obviously on steam as well and they're probably working on the second one for steam at the moment Mm -hmm. but it's just so you've probably heard me and multiple other people rant and rave about motorsports manager one um I know Ben played a hell of a lot of it on PC. I've played a, a lot of it on the first one on mobile um, and iPad, and I never bothered with the Steam version because I just thought, you know what, fair enough, they've added a bit of depth to it. But, you know, it's the same game overall. With the second one, they've taken all of the depth they made for Steam and they've added it into... The, the, the mobile version so you're you can now build build out your your base of operations more so you build added on like test tracks and stuff that gives you more items that you can then buy or use your engineers to create for your f1 car um certain areas that you build within your base are complex give you media briefing rooms etc give you better access to sponsors and training for your drivers to talk to the media better so that there's a better perception of your team this doesn't sound uh, like real life at all Formula no one driver no. clearly not not media <laughs> trained at all no <laughs> um but there's there's also a kind of a lot more depth to it you last last time out on the first one you could change tires and you could change 
you know, the, the speed that you were going at and you had to change tyres due to weather and stuff like that during races. And it did have the weather effects and stuff in there that could completely mess up your race if you didn't change to wets at the right time. This time around, you, on top of managing that stuff, you're also managing how much um, how much power is sent to the engine because, you know, they're, they're able to manage that electronically with how much power they give the engine for each driver um, and how much it wears the engine out. So if you're running your engine at full tilt, full speed on attack for one driver, then his engine is going to deplete. And, you, you know, you, when you go in at pit, you're going to need to change oil and refuel. The only thing I would say is I wish that it did allow you to refill. It doesn't. You need to manage your fuel in that car for the whole race. So if you're running your engine at full pelt for the whole race, you're going to run out of fuel unless you're running a five-lap race, which none of them are. How many so, yeah, laps are there? The like, proper Formula 1 where you got dozens of no, laps? Or is it... I think, I, no, I think the kind of most I've ever seen in a race is like 18, yeah. 18 19. That's, um, that's pretty decent still. All right, that's... that's... A good approximation, yeah. like so you're not actually spending a few hours on a single race. No, no. So you do like you do you do a testing session, which you know puts you in pole position or whatever position you get uh, for qualifying. You can probably there's that's time limited. I usually fit about three hot laps for each driver into that. You manage two drivers at a time, two cars on the on the circuit at a time. And then from what you take from that, that allows you to test. So I want to set the car up for cornering and acceleration um, with the engine going full tilt on soft tires. And if you if you get bad, you know, bad positioning with that, bad hot lap times, you then start tweaking. And if you get it set up correctly within that, then when you go into the main race, that does help it a lot because it gets you one better off in pole position but two you kind of know okay i had really crappy hot laps i need to completely adjust what i was doing and set it for straights and high speed instead of cornering and acceleration um but you've got all of that to manage before you go in for each person and then during the race you can't change what you have them set up for so you can't change your like your your setup because that would obviously be changing your suspension, softness and stiffness and stuff yeah. like that. Mid racing, you can't obviously do that. So the only things you're managing during the race are how much engine power is in, how much, uh, whether you're attacking neutral or you're conserving your tires and um, changing tires, obviously. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of simplified it to some degree, but there's still like a lot of stuff that you can. Yeah, they've simplified. Yeah, they've simplified it greatly from what it is in real life but they've also yeah. it was way more simplified first time around game. Yeah. yeah they've added uh, a lot more depth and complexity to this you have out with of racing you need to deal with sponsors money management part development whether you actually want to hire different engineers with different skill sets to produce different parts um, or whether you just want to buy stock parts off the market. If you're doing that, then some stock parts are going to run you a million. If you want to buy some of the higher-end ones, you're going to run 10 million. And as I've done multiple times so far, I've ran myself into debt within the last two races <laughs> of the season. That sounds and like proper you know, racing companies. Seven, 
you know, it's like £700,000 to run a single race because you've got, you know, you're paying your engineers, you're paying your tyre costs, you're paying your drivers. Um, so you're trying to pick the best sponsorship deals that if you come, you know, in the top nine, you're going to earn back six or 700000 from that sponsorship deal. So you're not going bankrupt. You're trying to manage all that. It is a really in-depth management game for it being on a phone or a tablet. I just, yeah, I love the first one. I am absolutely loving this one. The only thing, I can't even say I don't like it. With the added depth and everything else you've got to manage, I did really well in the first one. I was able to come first and second and in the top five a lot. <laughs> I struggle to place a driver in the top five. Yeah, that's how it goes. Not, you got to work um, your way up, Paul. Yeah, so it does actually make you work up from this little junior racing outfit to top, some of the top quality stuff. Um, so I've finished 12th in the Constructor Series and 8th in the Constructor Series, so I'm working my way up. You do not badge, you earn about 14 to 15 million for coming out of the top 10. That's enough usually to drag my arse out of debt for starting the next season. That's what you need to do. I have been as much as 10 million in debt. That's not that much. Um, it is in this game. It is in this game. Once you're, once you're a couple of million in debt and you've got a couple of races left in the season, you start getting things saying if you've not fix this by the next race you're going to go bankrupt and not finish the season which when you don't have any sponsorship deals because your drivers that you've just hired because your other two retired are talking trash to the media and the sponsors want nothing to do with you isn't very good needless to say at the end of my current season i'm sacking both my drivers because they're both on about a million and a half a race and they're not worth it when manor when manor when uh manor the f1 team went bankrupt, they were in debt of 63.6 million. So you're actually doing all right. <laughs> yeah, Kieran, I'm doing all right in real life there. Not in terms of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm scraping my arse through my third season of this game. <laughs> oh, no, wait, sorry, that I... was Marussia. Manor was only 35 million in debt. My apologies. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm only in my third season. Maybe I shouldn't have sank five million into building a new driver's complex. <laughs> Probably not. But hey, if your drivers are costing too much money and not giving you return. Yeah, that well, that's the thing. I've got some really nice new drivers coming through the trading school that I'm going to be able to hire <sighs> and start on like 200,000 a race rather than a million a race. So, you know, invest to save. Or go bankrupt. Or go bankrupt, but the, the game, the game's a fiver. It's no, it's not even. I think it's three ninety nine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three ninety nine. Well, on... If you if you bought that nice training skill, you could probably take a mortgage on it, and then you got more money. It's fine. <laughs> it's not that in depth. <laughs> I no, was making um... this game. You'd only be allowed two engine switches a season. You'd have to equip all of your cars with a halo protector on them now, so you fit the rules of Formula One, and everyone would complain all the time because it's Formula One. Uh, yep. Yeah. And you get bought out by an American company. If you have any interest whatsoever in F one, 
which is weird because I don't. I, I I couldn't care less about F one the actual. No, you're sport. more of a more of a Formula E man, are you? Let's see how that is. I actually quite like Formula E. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite good. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not a big fan of Formula One, but I really like these games. If you like sim management games, if you like Formula One, if you like any form of car racing, you're going to enjoy these games. And I mean, I picked the first one up for 80 pence when it was on sale two years after it came out originally or something like that. This one, without a shadow of a doubt, the four quid it costs, go buy it, go play yeah. it. I've had I've I've had it a week and I've already had more than four pounds worth of play out of it. Cool. Um, cool. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I can't glow enough about it. Cool. I also do not have a copy of the game. So. Oh. <laughs> Forgot about that. So, whoever's, um, Kieran, what have you been playing next? Oh, um, I played uh, <laughs> Endless Space 2, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and my review still isn't up, but it, it will be soon. It's written. <laughs> my issue is I've wrote too much now. <laughs> this is how it always goes. Uh, I spend a couple of weeks not writing enough, and then I write way too much, and then I cut it down a bit because it's just like five pages of rambling. And it's like, well, that's a lot of rambling. But Endless Space 2 is a big game. So uh, I played through another full game of it and then like kind of half of a couple of other games. I did terribly in all of them because I'm not very good at that game. Um, but I, the thing I found is I really like how differently all of the different factions in Endless Space 2 play. So I started as... I forget the name, but they're basically just kind of generic human empire. They're kind of the most base of kind of factions. Uh, and it just kind of plays like Civ and Space for those guys. Their kind of unique ability is that they can... You know, in Civilization, you could buy... Uh, you could use gold to buy things instead of just researching them or, you know, uh, building them in a city. So you used money instead of your production. Uh, you could do that in Endless Space 2, but these guys can also use their diplomacy points. I forget what they're actually called, but it's the points you use for diplomacy. Because uh, in things like Civilization, where you can just go up to people and go, hey, let's make a peace treaty. In Endless Space and all the previous Endless games, you go up to people and you go, hey, let's make a peace treaty. But it's going to cost me 150 of these pink thumbs up over here. To be able to do that, so I need to grind a bit. <laughs> if my country is, if my empire isn't making enough favor points, then I can't actually ask people for things. Uh, but you can also, if you're making enough of those kind of points, you can use them to buy things faster instead of using gold or dust that's in this. I played as my favorite race, which I think I talked about last time, called Horatio. So, Horatio are a empire of beings all called Horatio. Okay. Because they are all clones of Horatio. Who, all right. 
who was a man who tra a rich kind of you know eccentric man who flew into space on his own, crashed on a planet, found a bunch of cloning machines, cloned himself enough to kind of have a bunch of people do things for him, cloned himself some more, and then just kind of filled the planet with him, and they you know formed the civilization of Horatio. And then they looked up into the sky and they saw the other planets and they thought, those planets could use some Horatio on them as well. And so their whole Empire's thing is he's just spreading clones of himself across the across the entire galaxy, invading planet after planet and populating them with himself. Uh, it's like the most narcissistic thing in any game that I've ever played and it's really fun. But as a result, he has advantages like... Uh, his civilizations will tend to be happier because they're not going to get as upset because they're all the same person. Like, it's hard to... Like, you're not going to be making choices that upset the other people because the other people are you. You have to do something real weird to upset them. Um, and things like that. It's, it's just a cool game. I really like it. It's I'm not usually into sci-fi 4X games. Like, I've jumped into a bunch of them before. Like, I tried the first Endless Space, couldn't really get into it. I played Masters of Orion, which is kind of the tentpole for all of them. Didn't really get into that. Alpha Centauri, I have a fond appreciation for, but never really could get into much either. But uh, this one has definitely kind of grabbed me a lot more. Um, it's still no Solaris, but it's, it's fun. So, yeah, Endless Space 2. My review should sure. be up. I don't know, probably next week, I guess. Probably, hopefully, before this podcast goes up. But right, don't know. Depends. <laughs> it depends. If I have time to cut stuff down and send it to Ben, and when he has time to edit it and put it up. Yeah. We'll <clears throat> um, but yeah, Endless Space <laughs> Two, really good. If you like four X games, like if you like Civilization, it's that, but it's got a lot more kind of world building stuff a lot more like these kind of random events pop up that you get to make choices kind of like uh, crusader kings or something like that um which is all really cool it's just a very a very kind of fresh feeling one of these games cool um, yeah uh mike you've been playing force horizon 3 again i have yes why so why mike i thought you why it. because micro machine sucks that, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I I got fed up of trying to get uh, I, uh, just a half-decent game of Micro Machines, and I thought, I fancy some racing, so I put Forza Horizon 3 back on, and I'd still had quite a bit to do of the last expansion, which is the Hot Wheels one. Mm-hmm. So I've been working through that. I haven't been doing anything else in the main game, just working through the that little bit of DLC and having a blast is still really good. And I saw something, I was actually trying to look for it there. um, But I saw something that said that I have only played 49% of this entire game. And you thought you had to correct. Um, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The, just the amount of time that I've spent on this game is crazy. Uh, so I think I, I'm i still trying to look for the, some kind of thing that tells me how many hours I've spent on it 
Um, and I think I've just found it. Uh, yeah, but I, overall completion, I have done 50, 50%. And that is mental. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, still like one of my... <laughs> I uh, Last year, I gave it my game of the year for last year. Um, yeah, I still think that as well. It is my still my favorite game of last year having a lot of fun with it uh the only thing i would change now is the radio station i'd uh, maybe like to change that but they have got uh, you can if you subscribe to is it called groove i was gonna say uh, is this gonna end with you getting a fucking groove subs- subscription just so that you can well, change up the music in that game well I don't know though because it's, it, you know, you're getting that music and it's pumped straight through, so you'd lose the DJ. I don't know if you. Well, maybe the. I don't know if they just put the DJ in because they'll know when the gaps between songs are. That's how San Andreas uh, used to do it. Because. All right. Uh, San Andreas on the. Wait, is it San Andreas on the Bingo? Maybe GTA 4. Uh, whatever. One, one of the GTA games uh, on the PC, you could put mp3s into a folder and they would just pump right. them through the one of the radio stations it was just for custom music and they would just pick up the mp3s in this folder and then they had a dj that was there that just kind of you know read out adverts and did the dj stuff in between all right so i don't know i I'm, don't know if force horizon does that but you know other games yeah done it before but, it wouldn't be yeah you get a 14 day free trial so i might try it just to see what it does but hey uh, yeah the that Hot Wheels expansion is really good. I think you should, you should maybe check it out, Kieran. Um, I think you would like it. Yeah, it is a hell of a lot of fun. I need to play more of it. Um, my save didn't transfer over to the PC version, or I saved it. Oh, right. It wasn't the newest one, but I think that's just because I cancelled my gold, and it might be some weird cloud save thing that's tied to gold. So right. I might resubscribe to gold just to get my save onto the PC, and then start playing more of that game because. Right. It runs and looks a bit nicer on my PC. Oh, does it? Yeah. Um, so I might do that. But it's, yeah, cause it's just, that, I don't want to start it yeah. again. No. Uh, it still looks stunning on the the Xbox or the Xbox One S that I have. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great looking yeah, game in general. Uh, the yeah. thing for me was just that on PC it runs at 6 frames a second. On the right. consoles it's locked at 30. Which is fine. Like I, you know, We've played a shitload of Drive Club. I'm not I'm not opposed to 30 FPS racing games like some people are, but 60 is yeah. better if you can get it. So, yeah, yeah, cool, excellent. I I think Kieran, you have got one game left to tell us about, and that is Tekken Seven. Yes. Uh, so we've talked about Tekken Seven a little bit before, I think probably. Um, I think so. Yes. I was playing a bit more Tekken 7 mainly because I was watching some of EVO, which I'm not a big like fighting game community guy. Like We hung around with you know some of those dudes in Glasgow sometimes. We showed up. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, we went to a couple of their events and watched. And I enjoy, really, I enjoy watching fighting game uh, tournaments and stuff like that, although I'm terrible at fighting games and can't compete in them. But I enjoy watching them, which is why I went to those things in the first place. Um so I watched a bit of Evo and I watched the finals of Tekken 7 and they were really fun and I was like man 
Tekken 7 is a fun game. I should play some Tekken 7. So I started playing it and got beat up a bunch because I'm really bad at Tekken 7. <laughs> like, worse than most <laughs> other fighting games. Like, my online uh, against uh, Nathan, who's the only person I've played Tekken 7 with online, he has destroyed me in all but one match, and we've played it quite a lot now. <laughs> so I'm just not good at that <laughs> game at all. Um, I don't know, it's just something about Tekken that doesn't quite click with me. Like, I'm not good at any fighting games, but, like, some games click a little bit more. Like, I'm slightly better at Guilty Gear than I am at this. But... Right. Which is weird, because Guilty Gear is arguably a more complicated game. Yes. But it's really good. It's really pretty. Uh, the story stuff's good. Like, there's quite a lot of single-player content in that game. You know, something that Capcom could maybe learn from. And, uh... Yep. So, like, there's one big main story mode that's okay like it's got some good story stuff in it but then it's got some it's got this weird kind of terrible narration stuff from a, a journalist that's part way through it and it's, it doesn't lead anywhere and it's kind of pointless and i don't understand why it's in there at all except to flesh it out a bit but the actual story stuff with all the kind of taken characters you know or you know vaguely recognize at least is pretty cool and also akuma because akuma's in there um mm-hmm. and then they have these uh single missions that are single chapters for all the characters that basically aren't in the story mode. Because <laughs> the most of the cast isn't in the story mode. It's pretty much just like Hihachi and Kazuma, uh, Kazuya. And, all right. Uh, you know, That's just, like, a bit strange, is it not? It's because most of the story focuses on Hihachi and Kazuya's fight to take over the world or that's all a bit vague he actually wants to throw Kazuya into volcanoes a bunch and Kazuya doesn't want to be thrown into volcanoes so which I think same is as usual then. yeah <laughs> that game literally starts with a quick time event where the button prompt says throw into volcano nice <laughs> like they know what you want from a Tekken story like they start it off going yeah right fine um but they, they do a decent job of explaining why he actually throws people into volcanoes so much um which is pretty good. Uh, but all these single chapters are th- are characters that weren't really in the story or showed up for like part of the story very shortly and they have like a block of text at the start that's basically the whole plot for them. Usually a really short cutscene at the start and a really short cutscene at the end and you know the fight in between. And mm-hmm. they're just not very good. They're just kind of... Most of them just seem to be oh well this guy wanted to go do such and such, such so he could enter the tournament blah blah blah. And then he bumped into someone else, and now they're fighting. And it's like, okay, well, I guess. Like, there's not much humor in it and stuff like that, like you would kind of expect from Tekken. Uh, I've not really dug into the arcade mode yet, so I don't know if the arcade mode has all of the kind of silly endings that you know Tekken is kind of known for. So uh-huh. I probably need to jump into that a bit more and find out. Uh, I do know that the, they have a really extensive gallery section that has all of the videos from the previous Tekken games. Like, all of them. All of the intro videos, all of the arcade endings, all of the story cutscenes. Like, all of them are in this game. So if you want to just sit through and watch all the endings and take in one, you can do that. Which, I might do that. So, <laughs> um, like, those are one of the best bits of that, those games. So, it's weird. It's a, it's a cool game. I, I definitely recommend it, and I'm definitely going to play a lot more of it, because it's, it's sticking with me. I'm bad at it, but it's, it's still fun to play. Which is a sign of a good fighting game for me. And also they're adding geese to it, which is good, because geese is pretty awesome. But yeah, that's me. That's you. 
think that's also for video games in general, isn't it? It is. Uh, I think I think it is. Yeah. So we've been playing quite a few board games for a change. Yeah, most of mine are repeats, but yeah. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, I think I've got one one new one and possibly one that we haven't spoke about in the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, I I thought I would just touch quickly. I've spoke about Arkham Horror, the card game, before. Yeah. On, on the podcast. Yes. And uh, I really enjoyed the game. It's got the, the story element. So, a quick recap for anyone that not too sure what it is. It's a card game that can be played solo uh, or with two players uh, as it comes straight out the box. If you buy another copy of the game, you can play with up to four players. Um, and you go on an adventure. Um, the, there's a two-scenario adventure that comes in the box uh, of the main game, and you play cards. Uh, so it's basically like a collectible card game in that you build your character from all these different cards but it's a living card game so you don't have to buy expansion packs every time a new pack comes out all the card it's the exact same cards in every single pack yeah that so comes you buy out. expansions rather than boosters would be the yes thing. yeah you're not buying um, lined bags of here's eight cards one of them is going to be a shiny but you don't know what the rest are and then you're like oh i got <laughs> seven oddishes that's not. Yeah, no, no yeah. one wants all <laughs> Uh Yeah, so I recently bought the sixth and final expansion for one of the the new adventure that came out at the beginning of the year called the the Dunwich Legacy, and so I thought, right, I I need to you know get back into that. So I played through the final part of the the adventure of the base game and so the way that it works is you've got your characters and you play through every time you play through a scenario you you can there's various ways to finish it you don't have to beat the boss you know the, the big end of level baddie there may be another way to find information that you're looking for or uh there may be another way to beat him or run away from him or even if you get defeated the the story continues mm-hmm. um so, it's so heavy rain of card games uh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you could go with that so i finished my my first story and uh got ready to so there's strange things happening in arkham and uh, you go off and you do things and i played the first scenario Sorry, there's three scenarios in the box, and I played the first scenario three times. I played it uh, with myself, and then I played with uh, Ben, the our editor of the website, and I played it with the wife. I then played it a fourth time again, <laughs> using a different character to see how it would go. Um, and I played the second scenario, I played that twice, and then just played the third scenario. I did that on my own, but I played with two characters. So I went through it. The game scales up as well when you play with different characters. So um, if you're playing with one character and just going through it solo to beat the, let's say there's the evil doctor, you may need to, uh, let's say he's got a health of six, but he actually has a health of six per person playing. 
So everything scales up. There's uh, the the main thing that advances the cards and the story of the game is you need to find clues. Um, and there's various locations you go to in the game and there'll be clues there. And uh, the uh, the act card, so each adventure has, you know, three acts and they tell you how many clues you need to advance to the next act. And a lot of the times that will be, uh, you know, two clue tokens per player. So if you're playing with two players, then it's it's four tokens. So the game scales up. So it you can't do this thing where you would say, right, I'm going to get Kieran and Paul round and we're going to blast through this because it's easy because there's three of us doing it, mm-hmm. which is quite good. Um, these so, so I finished off my story and um, I stopped the summoning of a great Lovecraftian beastie from coming. Um, there were, yeah, there's there's good things. There's other ways that could that could have happened. Uh, if I wasn't quick enough in doing some things, I could have waited until the I could have stumbled on the summon the beastie. Then I would have had to fight uh, fought it, or I could have just run away in terror, screaming in the night. Oh, and so that you know, <laughs> so the scenario can end in those three different ways. And there's another way as well. Is that an option you get? To so, pick, or is that something like you'd? You've lost, and so you run away screaming. No, um, the you play your runaway so screaming what, card. No, um, on one of the locations in a lot of them, there is uh, it's an action called resign. So let's okay. say that you're, uh, if you've ever played any of the Arkham Horror games, um, from Fantasy Flight on the board games, you've got two sort of health trackers. You've got one that tra- that tracks your f- physical damage. And you've got one that tracks your mental damage. So you can either get killed or you can get driven insane, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, depending on which one runs out first. And if you were at a point during the adventure where you took one more hit to one of those that would remove you, you can resign. So you can basically say, right, I'm sitting out to save the character. Because at the end of every... um, every scenario you gain experience points um that allow you to then buy new cards and build your deck you know so you can swap swap cards out and pay for them with your experience so you can buy better versions of the cards or there may be different completely different weapons that you get or if you're a spell uh, a spell caster there may be some different spells you can buy and things like that so it sometimes retreat might be the best answer uh, however, if all of you retreat, then that triggers a different part of the story. And it says, and you're given those prompts. If all of you retreat or or you get defeated, read this this resolution, resolution number one. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there'll be a clue of what you need to do. So uh, I'm playing. I'm now playing the 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 Dunwich Legacy, and one of the I was in a. Uh, the um, Dunwich, uh, the Miskatonic uh, University, and I was looking for a guy called Professor uh, Professor Armitage had sent me to look for one of his friends, and I'm in the uh, the locations, and I'll go to the cards, and the way the cards work is you go to a location, you turn it over, and it explains what the card, the location you're in, and what it looks like, and things, and I was every time I went to a different building. Uh, let's say I went to the library. There, inside the library, was a research office, 
um, and it was locked. And the card, so you have to introduce this card to the the areas that you can go. And the card says, you cannot go here. That's all it says. You cannot go here. Then you find another one, which is a locked office in another part of the, the campus. And again, it says you cannot go here. What turns out is at the, once you get to the second act and you've released, um, you've paid enough clues, you find out that there's a janitor and the you need to find the janitor because maybe he'll give you his keys. Mm -hmm. So he he gets shuffled into, there's an encounter deck with all the baddies. And he what you're doing is, um, the mechanic in this adventure is you're trying to discard all those cards. So there's, there's events that you can do and actions that you can do that get, you can discard through, you know, you're searching through the, the deck to find this one card. The minute you find this card, um, you then, there's other tests and checks you need to do, but you can get him on your side. And in the story, he says, Right, I don't trust you, but you're looking for my friend, so I'm going to help you. I'll come with you. So he comes with one of the characters. He's attached to one of the characters. And only then can you access these rooms that where the card says you can't get into. Mm -hmm. There's really clever things. Every time you go in a different scenario, you're there's something new. There's a, a kind of a new gimmick and a new thing that you're doing. Um, and it kind of builds up all... Uh, you know, they, they take all of these things that you do in the first adventure and they build onto them and make them a bit more, a bit more meaty, you know, so that the, the, this whole thing of discarding the deck was new and the enemies start to do this to you as well, because um, I don't know if you remember uh, when we spoke about the game originally, we said there's no dice rolling in the game. It's done yeah, by yeah. this bag, bag of tokens. So you pull a token out the bag. And if you, uh, sometimes there's specific tokens and they have a, they will do something uh, and it changes from uh, scenario to scenario. And in the scenario I was playing, what it was making me do was, uh, because there was other cards, it was making me discard cards to a discard pile. I was then getting damage dealt to me or handicapped depending on how large my discard pile was. But again, um, on the flip side of that, there was other cards that allowed me to shuffle my discards back into my deck. That's and cool. that was something it was something completely new for this game. Yeah. So it seems to be changing. Yeah. Um, so really enjoying it. I've um, I'm nearly finished the the base. Uh, the base story of the Dunwich legacy. And then there are six um, scenarios, uh, six other scenarios to finish off the story that I'm going to do. Um, so, yeah, you definitely, I, I think you would like this one as well, Kieran. Yeah, it's, is, been uh, my, it's been on my kind of wish list for a while. It's just one of those things where I will probably play two player and I yes. have a couple hour two player games to still to get finished. Mainly, yeah. Pandemic Legacy, which we're still <laughs> only three months into, four months into. Yeah, yeah, we didn't play a massive amount of it, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I just need to get back. This is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think with Ar Arkham, I think I told the story. Um, I eventually took got Anne to play it when we were on holiday, and you know, it was you know, don't play too far into it because I really fancy this and I want to play it with you. And we got it out, played it the first night, and I said, what do you think of that? And she went, meh. <laughs> <laughs> so it has now become my 
my single player game, but I do play it with two characters, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, um, my girlfriend I, prefers uh, competitive games to cooperative games. So we don't play, right. we don't play a lot of Pandemic Legacy, but we still play like Splendor quite a lot, for example. Yes, yeah. I I think possibly uh, if you do get it, it'd probably be like me, then it would be a solo game. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, so really enjoying that. That is good. Um, you played a new game, which I'm quite interested in, uh, and it's called Shiba Inu House. Yeah, Shiba Inu House, which is a game by the creator of Catbox. Yes, uh, as a Chen. Yeah, and it's about Shiba Inus who need you to build them a doghouse, and it's adorable. Um, it's weird. It's actually it's like Cat. Uh, I think Cat Tower and Cat Box were both him, weren't they? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like those games, it's super simple, um, and it's real time. So. Every turn, uh, basically, there's three uh, groups of puzzles. There's or three levels. There's one, two, three, and for each level, there's a deck of cards that's the size depends on how many people are playing, and you also have a hand of cards, which is the same for every person. Everyone has the same. I think it's nine cards. Right. And they're double sided, different on both sides, and mm-hmm. on them is uh, usually it's a roof. Of a, or all of them have a roof of a, a doghouse on it. And then on either side have the walls of doghouses that would be kind of on either side of them. Um, and every turn everyone takes one card from the level you're playing. So, you know, everyone starts taking a level one card and then eventually everyone will take a level two card and a level three yep. card. There's a face down. And then everyone flips them over at the same time and everyone has to just try and line up the cards in their hand to look like the doghouse that is on the card they flipped over. Oh, so, right, okay. So it's super simple. It'll just be like, oh, this is a doghouse that has a dog showing off his butt and has one blue wall and one pink wall, so make that. And right. that's kind of it. Uh, there's some little things to it as well where uh, I'm trying to find the cards... Also, there's a bunch of tokens in this as well, so it's a mess. I'm just making a mess here. It's a disaster. Um, <laughs> so you can, by default, the cards are kind of laid out uh, landscape. That's just the way the, right. the roofs are, and the roofs will always be landscape. But they're at two different angles. So one of them is facing straight on, and one of them's at a slight angle. And the walls are, uh, when they're when the card is landscape, the walls are for the one that's at a slight angle. Mm-hmm. So if you draw a card and it's got one that's facing straight forward, you have to place the roof card uh, landscape and then the other two cards for the walls need to go portrait underneath it. So you end up making a kind of T-shape with your cards. And then the other ones, you just kind of lay them out so that they're you know three cards next to each other. Uh, and it's just a, a cool, simple little thing. And then when you get to level two cards, level three cards, you have to make two houses or three houses. And that's like the only difference in level is just the number of houses you have to make. And the first right. person to finish it, it's kind of like a network rules where the first person to finish it gets extra points. 
second person gets some extra right. points, third person gets some extra points, etc. And uh-huh. that's kind of it. It's really simple, really pretty, cute, and it worked really well. It's just a really simple kind of match the pattern game. Uh huh. Um, but it's quite cool when you get ones because it doesn't always happen, but sometimes you get ones where they're all all the cards are positioned in a way that you can just connect them all up and it just looks like you've got a kind of you know neighborhood of dog houses um yeah but other times you they don't have to be connected so you can just make you just end up with three different dog houses in front of you uh right but it's a cool thing the one downside i have with this game is that it launched uh broken <laughs> which you know not that common oh. thing for board games uh, right okay so we got it when i got it i bought it from a local game shop that we buy lots of board games from um yeah and it came in a like cellophane wrapper with an extra little set of cards in it all right okay. i assumed that was just like i assume oh this is probably like a, a promo pack or something like that because you know sometimes that happens sometimes shops will have promo packs and they'll just kind of throw them in with the game um uh-huh. So I thought this is probably just a promo pack or something. I'll ignore that for now. And then we started playing the game and realising that there was pictures coming up in some of the cards that we didn't have the cards to do. It was physically impossible for us to make those doghouses look like that. Right. And Or it was like impossible for us to make two doghouses with the cards we had and the right thing. So it might be like, oh, this one has a pink wall and an orange wall, and this other one has a pink wall and a blue wall, but there's only one pink card. Right. We can't make both these. It's just not physically possible. And the reason is there was a misprint in the first run of it. Uh, I'm oh. not sure if any runs afterwards had, but especially in the first run. Where right, okay. All of the cards are meant to be double-sided with different things on the other side, but three of the cards in each of the hands... Uh, so like they, they all have a little icon at the bottom left-hand corner to let you know which hand they're in. There's like a bone, a bowl, a right. house, stuff like that, just so you know. It doesn't make any other difference really um uh-huh but three of each of them had the same thing on both sides all right and so that little pack so, of things that i thought was a promo card were replacements for those ah right but there was no like little note or explanation or anything like that in there so we just put them aside and thought it was some kind of promo or something <laughs> and we're really what? confused by it until i looked it up later so we ended up figuring out like part way through like oh if we throw these cards that came in the little cellophane package in it works, so we'll just do that. So we were actually playing it yeah. with too many cards. We were playing it with 12 cards because we didn't realise these were replacements for three of the cards in our hand. We were just putting right. them as well as the ones in our hand. Uh, uh-huh. And then I looked up afterwards and found out this, that, yeah, that's because it was a misprint. And there's a bunch of them, there's a bunch of posts on like board game geek people uh-huh. being like, oh, these cards are impossible. It's physically impossible to solve these puzzles. And it's like, oh, it's because it is, as it turns out. Wow. And so, that's kind of a shame. Yeah, who's the publisher on this one? It's uh, Renegade Game Studios. Ah, uh, I should have guessed. So Renegade Game Studios have, they brought out one of Chen's other games called Doggy Go. Mm-hmm. And Doggy Go is, I think, Kieran, I've showed you, and I think we may have played Kitty Paw at mm-hmm. one point. Um, yeah. So... Doggy Go was the kind of follow-up to that. Um, and when that game launched, the, the 
you're all meant to have four cards. Each player has four cards. And one of them is a ball. One of them's a little podium. One of them's a flaming hoop. And the other one's a trapeze. Mm -hmm. But when you have a look, there's not enough of those. There's two <laughs> sets of each. There's two sets of each missing. So it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, and the rules are misprinted as well. The rules say, you know, take all these cards and give two to each player. Yeah. But it's not every player should get four. You know, four card a hand of four cards that they use. Um. So, but. Renegade games never they've never come right and fixed it. They've put the um the PDF files up yeah. on the website so you can print them, download them, print them off and make your own set of cards, but they've never ever sent out replacement cards. That's a bummer. Yeah, at least for this one they gave replacements, but they didn't give any there's, you know, there's no way for you to know those replacements unless you go look up Board Game Geek. Which this is a very Yeah. Like, these games are very casual friendly. Like, these are very this is the kind of game that anyone could play, you know? Yes. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be someone that's super into board games that will look up on Board Game Geek. Yeah. This kind, of, this kind of game that would be very easily, very easy to give as a gift to someone that doesn't play board games and they would enjoy yes. it. Yes. Or who has kids and they would enjoy it. And they would never know that until they send you a message saying, some of these puzzles are impossible. <laughs> what have you given us? So, yeah, that's a bummer. Um, but other than that, I really like the game. It is super simple, but it's a it's a fun one. It's you know I always like those kind of puzzles of you know here's a thing you have these shapes make the thing out of these shapes, and that's basically all it is. Yeah, Even faster than anyone else, and all the artwork's adorable because all of the roofs have a Shiba Inu sitting on top of them, doing something dumb. Like rolling around or showing off his butt. Yeah, it's a cute, <laughs> it's a cute, cute game. Uh, but yeah, it's a shame about the misprint stuff. Hopefully, they'll do do yeah. reprints later on that don't have this issue at all. But all of the copies that were in that shop all had those the cellophane wrapper and the extra cards on them. So yeah, that entire print run, I guess, busted. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You've been playing Tiny Epic Galaxies, which I've never played. So. Ah, yes, yes. So Tiny Epic Galaxies was a game I picked up last year at... Oh, no, it was the year before, actually. <laughs> uh, I picked it up the year before at Essen. And um, <clears throat> I played it solo, but last weekend was the first time that I got to play it uh, with another person. And so I played it with uh, Anne and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies is a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to to play, to, to explain it. You end up with... Uh, you've all got your own little galaxy. And um, what you do is you... Uh, you had start off with two spaceships and you can use your spaceships to go to a planet and you can either land on a planet. If you land on a planet, the planet will allow you to do a, a special action or what you can do is you can try and colonize the planet and the, the planet has little tracks on it. Uh, sometimes it's numbered one through to five. Sometimes it's numbered one through to two, uh, depending on the planet. All planets are worth victory points, which 
is generally what you're trying to do in this game is get victory points. Um, but how you colonize these planets is you need to, uh, some of them will be um, economic country, you know, not countries, but economic planets. So you would need to use uh, economy to try and colonize the planet, or sometimes you would just need to use diplomacy. Um, and these are things that you roll on dice. The game is generally a dice rolling game. So at the beginning of the game, you end up with uh, two planets. Uh, sorry, but you end up with two spaceships and four dice. And the dice allow you to do different things. One of the things that they do is they allow you to move your spaceships. You can upgrade your colony. And if you upgrade your colony, that could give you more dice to roll. It can give more spaceships so you can go to more different plan uh, different planets at the same time um, and then you need resources you need um, energy um, energy can be used to <clears throat> excuse me uh, uh, upgrade your colonies you need energy to be able to drive everything and uh, the other resource is culture uh, and culture does a it can be used to upgrade your colony as well but one of the things that the game does is if you have <clears throat> a culture and let's say on my turn, I am moving my spaceship along a planet track to colonize it. But you and I are on the same planet, Kieran. Mm -hmm. uh, what you can do is if you've got culture, when I move my spaceship and I move it onto track number four, you can say I'm going to spend a culture to follow you. And then you can do the exact same action that I did. And you can, so you could, you know, do it on the same planet or you could do it on another planet, but you can follow that action. That's cool. Yeah, so it's like a catch-up mechanic. So you, yeah. if you play the game, depending on uh, how you manage your resources, you could always be not one step behind, but on the same level as somebody yeah. else. Yeah, so um, doing something you can't do yet, just do it. Yeah. So on your on your turn, what you do is you roll your four dice um, that you start with, and then it's a bit like a King of Tokyo because then you uh, all the faces mean you can do different things. So you decide what you want to do, and you can you get one free re-roll to re-roll as many dice as you like. Uh, you can re-roll those, but you can also spend energy if you wish to re-roll one die. So one, one energy will let you allow you to re-roll one die. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have energy and you still end up with uh, dice that you can do nothing with, you can also convert dice. So you can sacrifice one dice or one unused dice to change the face of another unused dice. So there's this always, there's always this, mechanic that runs through the game that you're always able to use your dice you will know there shouldn't be any time where your dice will be wasted yeah you're never just rolling Which, dice and going mm, yeah don't need that can't yeah. use any of them which is almost kind of the, um, the downside of dice rolling games for me yes yeah um and the game is really really good it, it plays in 25 minutes and it's done the, the first player to 25 they bring in the end game everyone else gets uh, one more turn, you know, uh, so that everyone's played the same amount of turns. And, um, yeah, whoever's got the, the most points wins. There's also secret objective cards that you've got 
not that you're trying to and that they're not too complicated it may be like make sure that by the end of the game you have four energy mm-hmm. you know or make sure that you have upgraded your colony as far as you can get it to to be upgraded um so, you know silly things like that and you'll get a couple of extra bonus points um if you do your objectives really simple and i really enjoyed it as well um i do also have the it's uh, called beyond the black expansion that just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago and i got that delivered to me from kickstarter and i, I didn't play that one with my wife but i played it separately uh, a couple of days later and it just adds a couple of more things to do there's planets that you can go and um uh, get and uh, basically with the this expansion it brings in set collection into the game so you can collect pilots and you can also collect um unexplored planets and you know nebulas and stars and things like that really good as well adds on to the game but it's one of those that you couldn't you know if we were going to play it this weekend we would probably just play tiny epic galaxies standard and if you were happy to play another game straight after that then you could add it add the expansion in mm-hmm. um it's not too it's not too complicated but it's one of those where it helps when somebody knows the base game yeah, and yeah, you can play but because if, sometimes if you bring in all these different expansions there's too much choice yeah i think usually it's, it's not a good idea to just throw in a bunch of expansions with yeah people with people that haven't played the base game for yeah games. because some games where that works but yeah, I mean, it, it. the game was easy enough. The expansion was easy enough to understand. And I I was very comfortable to be able to explain it to somebody. Mm-hmm. But I thought it would put them at a disadvantage because they'd be looking at this and they wouldn't know which way to go. Yeah. Um, and Tiny Epic Galaxies is one of those games that you. I think you only need to play it once to understand it and grasp it as well. Mm-hmm. You this, The strategy is very quick to to, to grab and grasp. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to playing some some more games of that, which is really cool. Uh, you have been playing uh, some Viticulture, which yeah. is a new game for you. Speaking of games that are not... This is the exact opposite of Tiny Epic Galaxies. It takes way more than one game to understand. <laughs> um, yeah, I played the single-player Viticulture. Um, have you played the single-player Viticulture? Have you played it? Uh, I have, yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really like it. Um, oh, okay. Like, I like the game. I think Viticulture seems like it's going to be really good, and I'm looking forward to getting to the table and playing it with other people. I think as a single-player mm-hmm. game, uh, the Ultima system is smart, as it always is. Yeah. So I think, uh, especially as just a way of learning it, I don't think it works quite as well as it does in something like Scythe, where... R- Right, yeah. Yeah, where like Scythe, I found it playing a single player made it really easy just to figure out how to play Scythe and figure out the best strategies to play that game and how to do it well. Viticulture, <laughs> I came out first game of Viticulture with like, you know, like seven victory points and being like, uh, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> what was I going to do, John? Yeah. Um, but I understand the mechanics of the game. I think if I'd been playing against people for my first couple of games, it would have been fine because mm-hmm. we all would have been like that and the game wouldn't have ended with me at seven points because 
we'd all be kind of like that, and so the game just would have went yes. a bit longer instead. Because yeah. as a result, yeah. the the thing that they do to make it single player is it has a harsh limit of it ends after seven years or eight years if you're playing it in easy mode. And uh-huh. That's it. That's it. It ends there. Whereas if you're playing with people, it just keeps going until someone gets twenty points. Yeah. Um, so I think the main thing is I don't think it was a good way to learn it. I think it's probably fine if I play it another couple of times, but as a first experience of learning the game, I don't think it's a good way to do that. Um, no. I, the first time that I played it to try and get a, a hang of it, I played a two-player game mm. myself. So yeah, I was playing. I think that's probably you know, a smart idea. <laughs> yeah, and I I actually enjoyed that. And then I went back and I thought, right, I'm going to try the Automa. And yeah, the Automa was good, and I I enjoyed it. But the next time I played it again, I went back to playing a two-player game myself. Yeah, I think that's probably a better idea. Like the. So if people don't know, um, Vet Culture is a a worker placement game where you're mm-hmm. making wine, you're running a vineyard, yes. and it's just got this really cool system where every every year is split up into four turns, and you can do different things in each of them, and uh, or well, no, two turns mainly, but you'd have you know basically spring and uh, winter which has yes. two different sections of the board and you can place different workers on them. And it's kind of split into four in that there's two different things you do. You split, you gain cards and stuff like that and you put down workers and then winter you put down workers and then everything moves up one. Which yes. has all these cool mechanics that work together well where you're buying uh, different grapevines and planting them in your, your vineyard and you have three different uh, fields that you can plant vines in, and you can sell those fields, and then you can buy them back. So if you're low on money, you can be like, I only need the one field just now. I'll just sell this and get seven coins, and then I can buy more grapes for the other one, and then that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is pretty cool, and it's got all these different little small mechanics that all kind of feed together really well like that, but are individually really simple. And... I really like that. Um, the thing that kind of clicked for me didn't click for me the first couple of turns, and then like kind of the third turn, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's how that's how you play this game." Is things aging? So yes, you plant uh, you plant vines and you get grapes from them, and you have to harvest them. There's another action you have to do uh, in the spring. I think I forget. It's somewhere on the board, and you harvest your <laughs> grapes. And then you put these little, nice little kind of glass tokens on the grape on your little player board. And each grape has a, a point value, depending on the point values of the, the vines that you use. So the vines will have little things at the bottom. They'll say, this makes one red grape, or, you know, one red grape and maybe one white grape. And this other one does two red grapes. And you can stack up multiple cards in the same field, and they harvest them all. When you harvest them all, they come out as basically one grape. So if you have yes. them all and it counts to four, then that means you have a level four grape, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and then they all sell for different amounts. Uh, so you could sell your level four grape for two coins. But then if you leave it for a year, which is you know basically a turn after winter, it ages by one. So now you have a level five yes. grape. And if you make it into wine, then you have a level five you know, red wine, or you can mix red and white wine to make uh, rosy wine. 
Or yep. you can, I can't remember what you mix to make fizzy wine, but there's also fizzy wine. Um, yes. Which is quite good. I quite like that. And then also wine ages as well. So if you leave wine in there, it goes from being a level six wine to being a level seven wine. Yeah. And so everything is just slowly, you know, aging. So you want to try and make things early-ish, but then also you're, you need specific, uh, you need better levels of, uh, of wine cellars to be able to store higher level wines. Yes. So you might hit a point where it just yeah. can't age any further, which is kind of weird. Um, and then also you get these cards that are uh, orders that you want to fill. So people might say, hey, I want you know a level 7 red wine and a level 6 white wine. And so you need a 7 and a 6. But you could totally, if you don't time it right, you could totally make level seven red wine and let it age too much. Yes. Or, you know, whatever, to try and... You've got to try and get them together, basically. And there's this weird kind of puzzle that I really like the idea of. But a yeah. seven-round game against AI was not really the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think also when you're, uh, when you're submitting orders, I think if... You know, if they're looking for a level five wine, you can sell that. You can give them a level six wine. Oh, you can give them something above. It's just something on. The you can give them. Yeah, but sometimes, uh, you know, it may be. It's, it wouldn't be the same as selling, giving them a level six wine when they wanted a level six wine because yeah. it might not be as worth as much money. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I. It has got a lot of clever ideas in it. Uh, lots. Uh, I love the whole. You have to upgrade your your cellars um, so that the wine can age and things like that. Um, I also like the idea that when you start the game, you start with uh, I think it's three workers that you can use, and if you wish, you can place them all on the summer actions. It's mm-hmm. entirely up to you whether you yeah. put them all on the summer actions or you put them all on the winter actions. So you'll find that as the game progresses, maybe in turn five or six. You're not doing any summer actions at all. You're just doing um, continuous harvesting. Yeah, that's definitely kind of what uh, I ended up doing at a certain point. Was like I need to just keep all of my workers till winter. Everyone just have the summer off. Winter will go do yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> and I quite like there's so you have there's a, a big board. Everyone has a player board, but then everyone has this this big board that everyone shares that you're actually putting your workers on to do actions. Yeah. And the way it works, you can correct me because I've not actually played with multiple people, but the way it works with multiple people is that uh, you place a worker on it and no one else can place a worker on that spot. But when you're playing yes. with more than two people, there's so there's, there's three spots actually physically on the board, but depending on the number of people you're playing with, you only use the first one or the first two or the, all three of them. Yeah. And so you don't, you place it on one of those things, but other people can't unless there's another free space there. Unless you use your, your grande worker yes. who is uh, just a slightly bigger meeple who can, <laughs> he can show up and do whatever the fuck he wants. Someone's already there harvesting, doesn't matter, he shows up and he harvests as well because that's his job and I really like that. And a, yeah. a smart way of how the Automa system works, so unlike Scythe where in Scythe the, the Automa system is an AI that has a bunch of has a deck of cards that you shuffle and you go through 
and every turn you take the action for it that it says on the card basically so it'll be like uh, move a worker from here to here if you can't do that then do this instead or do this and also do this and also they gain a star just because they're the AI and they're fucking great and they earn a star um, <laughs> whereas the way that the AI works for Viticulture is they're just there to take up space so yes. the Ottoman and Viticulture already has the winning amount of points you're just trying to beat it by reaching those amount of points as well and all the AI is doing is that you take a card over and be like this turn the AI is harvesting and also playing a card in summer and you're like oh okay so you put down little tokens or meeples i just use the glass tokens i think you're meant to use the meeples for another yep. team to make it a bit more but i couldn't yes. open all the bags so i just use the glass tokens because there's tons <laughs> of them um and you put them on the those two spaces and then you can't move to those spaces you can't if you wanted to harvest you can't because the ai is harvesting yes um but you can still use your your big worker your grandy worker which I thought was pretty neat. I quite like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting a proper game of it at some point. Um, I don't think the Ultima system is quite for me. I don't think it's going to be a single player game that I play a lot. I'll probably give it another couple of tries though. Um, but I think it's going to be a real fun multiplayer game. The one thing I slightly yes. worry about is I wonder how much uh, the randomness of just kind of the cards will impact it. Because there are four decks three decks cards yes there's yes so there's, oh, there's the, four decks the, cards the, yeah there's the the vines the summer visitors the winter visitors and the orders yeah so there's four decks of cards and they're all random and it's yeah it's, hmm, see the, the the grapes the the grapes are quite well structured so there's you know there's a, a certain number of the the merlot grapes there's a certain number of the the pinot Rigio grapes all yeah. the different uh you know values and so that's it that's okay um and having those randomized is fine the i found the workers yeah sometimes you would draw a card and it wasn't in the you know it didn't have any benefit to the strategy you were trying to achieve yeah that's kind of how i feel about like yeah like the orders could be you might have uh you know got three cards so far that are all grapes and they're all red grapes then you might get Mm -hmm. an order and it's all white wine and there's not you're kind of see i found i I thought that was okay though the, the orders mm. and the grapes because it's easily rectified because if you have an order that's you know wanting red grapes and you don't have them yet on your next turn you just go and you get the the vine cards yeah I think that's probably um, it probably works better the way you were playing it with you know playing as two people yeah but when you're playing as uh-huh. Ultima and you only ha- really have seven turns ah uh, yes um, you don't want to then go okay well I spent this year collecting red grapes and realizing i can't use them next year i'm going to get some yes. white grapes i guess <laughs> it's like uh, yeah, yeah. i don't know about that um but yeah i i i want to play it with multiple people i think it's going to be a real fun game um we're doing a board game day soon we should maybe yes consider playing this one um because i i'm enjoying it it's, i'm enjoying the idea of it but playing it single player is definitely not 
for me that we play. Yeah. And this is, I got the Essential Edition, which apparently has some of the improvements from Tuscany, which was another... Yeah, I don't so... Know, the, the, whole, the whole timeline between these games <laughs> seems complicated to yeah. me. So, w- what happened was, um, Jamie Stegmaier brought out Viticulture. He then brought out uh, a game, well, he brought out the expansion to it called Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Um, and both copies sold very well, but Tuscany also, it fixed things that were originally wrong in Viticulture. Oh, the, okay. One of the things was it, it didn't have the mamas and the papas. The, the Grande Worker was called something else and it operated differently. Um, and there was some card differences as well. Okay. And Tuscany fixed that. So what they did then was they said, right, well, we'll bring out what they call the Essential Edition which fixed then fixed out you could buy viticulture base game and it fixed a lot of things but it added some of the stuff from tuscany okay then Tus- then they brought out tuscany essential edition and that is now a standalone set of expansions and it's got new expansions uh yeah so basically mm-hmm. it's the 2.0 set of yeah, the game because yeah. i was wondering because yeah. when i went to shop to buy this I, viticulture was there and you had suggested buying Viticulture and also like two other games that weren't there. So, <laughs> so I was like, Viticulture is the one that's here. So I'll pick that up. But it was, yeah, it was all Essential Editions that were there. Then there was copies yeah. of Tuscany Essential Edition next to them. I was like, I don't know. I'll get Viticulture because that's the one that's there and Mike said that one. <laughs> and then there's piles of expansions literally on top of all the viticulture boxes. Yes. And all these yeah. expansions are the essential edition expansions that say right on the front of them if you buy viticulture essential edition, you don't need this. Don't buy this. And it's like that's yes. a that's a weird thing to have in a box. But alright, I'll um but then there's another expansion as well. There's um uh, uh, the Moors expansion. The Moors, yeah, which I was tempted just to pick up, even though I hadn't played it, but I decided just to get the base game. Yeah, uh, I bought Shibu Inu instead of buying that expansion. Alright, <laughs> so purchase. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to playing more Fat Culture. Um, it seems like a yes. cool game. Um, let's go on to the other new game that you've played. So Dice Forge. Yes. So. Dice Forge is a new game from the guys uh, Libelud. I think that's how you pronounce them. Um, it's the guys that made Dixit and the guys that made uh, Mysterium. I like both of so you... Yeah. So again, you know, they make really gorgeous games and this Dice Forge is no different. What Dice Forge is, is it's a dice rolling game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you roll dice and you gain resources from them and you then use those resources to essentially buy victory points okay right now you are like me and one of the things you hate is dice rolling yeah unless there okay. are good ways to use it like i like fuse quite yeah well. yeah so what if you could actually change the face of the dice i like that right so yeah, so what you do is when you start the game, you end up with uh, two dice, and they're pretty basic. There's uh, a couple of resources on them, um, specialized resources. One of them is a light shard, one of them is a dark shard. Uh, there's 
and also victory points. There's two victory points that you can roll. The other side of these dice are uh, one gold piece, mm -hmm. uh, which gold is the, the currency that you need for this. So um, on your turn, you roll your dice and then you can you can buy resources. And one of the things that you can buy is you can buy dice faces. So you can change the the one gold piece to a two gold piece, or if you if you save up enough, you can change that one gold piece to a six gold piece, and you can end up having all your dice and every single side is is um, you know six gold piece. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you you modify your dice as you go along, um, and what you do then is a. On your turn, you roll your dice, you gather your resources, and you can either buy a dice face or you can buy a card. There's cards on this table, and uh, the cards do various things. They may do uh, give you an immediate benefit of maybe some victory points or some gold, or there may be something that happens every turn. You know, so it's a timed thing that happens. And it allows you to do something. So there's one card, for example, that allows you to roll an extra dice when it's your turn to roll the dice. Um, the other twist in the game that happens, so the game is quite quick. The game takes uh, 10 rounds. And the person that plays, uh, the, yeah, the person that gets the most victory points wins. Um, but the game is over very, very quickly. But what the game does is... It does something quite clever. So on your turn, like I said, you roll the dice, and but everyone else rolls their dice as well and gathers resources at that time. Okay. So, you know, we all roll the dice, we get our resources. Then I do my actions. Um, I and I can do one of the two things, like I said, buy a card or do a, a dice face. But if I have enough resources of a certain type, it's called the light shard. If I have enough resources of that and I can sacrifice two of those, I can do a bonus action. So I can I can do up to two turns on my turn or two actions on my turn if I've got enough light shards to pay for it. Um, then it becomes your turn. And again, we all roll dice. So in this game... Um, when you're figuring out who the starting player is, the starting player starts the game with like, if it's a four player game, they start the game with four bonus gold pieces. Um, and the person they, you know, is going to be the fourth person. They don't get any gold pieces. But the reason for that is that by the time it comes to their turn, they're going to have rolled their dice four times. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to have quite a lot to buy and spend and do. Um, and I like this catch-up mechanic that the first player is the, the one that's going to be disadvantaged, but he gets straight, uh, straight four extra gold pieces. Um, and it's also balanced because by the time it comes around to his turn again, he's going to have rolled his dice four times again. Um, cool. So, yeah, yeah, it is really cool. You end up with this, um, this you're building... You're not engine building, you're dice building. So it's like a deck builder, not a deck builder, because I, I really say, hate sounds, deck builders. Yeah, it's like a deck builder, but you're most deck builders. You're not also removing cards from your deck, which is kind of what you're doing by yes. kind of covering up the faces of the dice. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're taking, you're physically taking the the face that's on there, putting it aside, and sticking on a new one. They're, yeah. Uh, they say they're not Lego dice, but these things look like Lego dice. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> but, the most 
the thing that reminds me of the most actually with as a deck builder to fair as um what was that deck builder we played where you upgraded the cards themselves? Oh, the, the Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil. Kind of like that, where yeah. instead of adding more cards to your deck, you're just making the cards you have yes. better. So same idea, but with yeah. dice. I like that yeah. idea. And if the game yeah, itself um, is better than that, then that's also good, because oh, Mystic Veil was alright, yeah. but it didn't really click with me. No, this is, this is a lot better. Um, also, the other thing um, to explain as well, so you... When you move to a certain part of the board, you can go there and you can either buy one card of the to the left of you or to the right of you. Um, it's up to you which one you're going to buy. Uh, but what happens on your turn, uh, Kieran? If um, if you move me, if I'm in the space where you want to buy a card, you can go there, and what happens is you bump me off. But you you send me back to the beginning of the board. And as uh, as a result of what you've done to me, I get a bonus roll on my dice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah, it is really cool. There are a couple of the cards that take that. Um, there are a set of cards. The cards will always be the same. The resources on these board, on the, the cards will always be the same, except for most of them, they've, they've printed a second set. So once you've got used to playing the game a couple of times, you can make things up. You can change some of the the benefits around, mm -hmm. and you can and you can move it around. We really enjoyed this game. We, we start. I started explaining the game to to Anne before we started, and but there's so many you know there's so many different dice faces and there's so many different cards and benefits that have that I explained one or two of them to her and said the rest of them are here in this book like a main and it is it's set out like a menu um, yeah. and we found the best way to was to explain the basic uh, the basic ideas of the game and then for the first two or three turns after that when it was your turn you were you were essentially just reading the menu and going all right okay I can afford that I'll have that <laughs> um and yeah it was fine because there isn't that much strategy in it there's enough but it's not you know it's not viticulture it's not five tribes yeah. it is very the game is very very light and it was uh it was another one of those the minute we finished we set it up again and played it because it was over too quick yeah you were you were just getting your teeth into this you know building the dice you just got them the way you wanted and uh, it was like balls that's it it's finished <laughs> but yeah it was a, it was a good thing really 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 good um i think we will definitely play that when we're uh, uh when we're doing that on yes so cool it sounds like a cool idea good excellent uh you played uh oh an old favorite you played some more sheriff of nottingham yeah uh, i mean as well discard both the games i've got left because they are both just old favorites that Kind of just checking in on, and I'll go through this a bit quicker. But yeah, I play Sheriff of Nottingham again. Uh, first time I played it in a wee while, actually. I've not played it much recently, but that game's still just so good. Like, people don't know Sheriff of Nottingham is just everyone has a hand of cards and they want to transfer the, the cards from their hand to their, uh, their stall, their market stall in front of them. And the way you do that is by putting them in an envelope and giving them to the sheriff, and the sheriff decides whether he wants to check that what is in the envelope is what you say is in the envelope. 
in which case anything mm -hmm. that is in there that you're not meant to have in there, you have to pay money. Or if everything is in there that you say is in there, then he has to pay you money. Uh, or she. And it's that. It's super simple. And it just, everyone takes turn being the sheriff and everyone gets to lie to each other through their teeth. And <laughs> It's one of those things where we're playing with one person who'd never played it before, and the rest of us had played it a couple of times before. And it was one of those times where the first round she didn't quite get it, and was like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. And then the moment you go through that first round, you're like, oh, okay, got this. <laughs> I know how to lie yeah. to people. Easy. <laughs> um, it was really good. I still love that game. It's always a fantastic game, and yeah, not much more to add to it other than Sheriff Nelson was always going to be great. But also there's a lot of maths yeah. at the end of it, which is the only yes. downside of that game. <laughs> it's very much everyone pulling out their phone and loading up calculators to add up the 30 <laughs> cards they have in front of them. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I'll quickly just say, I also just played some Splendor. I played a couple of games yes. of Splendor. Um, Splendor continues to be my favourite kind of relatively simple but highly competitive and angry game. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's one of those games that, we've said it before, but it scales so well depending on the number of players you're playing with. So we mm -hmm. were playing two-player games, and I love Splendor two-player because it's silent, it's intense. Yes. And everyone is just looking at, like, even if you don't see what you're doing, like, you just watch your opponent's hand go over and pick up a blue gem and a green gem and a white gem, and you're like, oh, that fucker's going for that green card. Ah, <laughs> what can I do? It's just, it's so intense. It's so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other board game we've got here is you've been playing Technoco. Yes. That's the Panda yeah. one, right? Yes, yeah, so that's the, the Panda the one and uh that before it came out and then never actually played it <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> i still yeah. really want to play that game i've never played it yet yeah, have you so... not no and i want to play with that cute panda oh yeah because i i remember we got the the review copy of it and uh it was like oh we want to play we want to play and nobody ever did so <laughs> but um we were last, not last year, the, the year before, so 2015, we picked up the expansion mm -hmm. for Takenoku, uh, Takenoku, uh, Takenoku Chibis. And basically, this is the one where it adds the, you get a, a girl panda, you get Mrs. Panda. And um, you can, if you get the two pandas together and you, uh, you pay a piece of bamboo, a certain piece of bamboo, at the right time, you can get a, a baby panda. And the baby panda is just basically uh, extra victory points and uh, an extra benefit. So it may change the value of a tile. So it's also a good, so, easy way to teach your kids about uh, the birds and the bees. Yes. <laughs> so when, when daddy panda and mommy panda love each other very much and stand in the same space and have some bamboo, you make a baby panda. <laughs> it changes the tile value. That's how it works, yeah. right? <laughs> just like, just it's oh. for everyone. Yep. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed, I always enjoyed Takenoku. And we'd realized that I'm pretty sure that at one point I'd forgotten a rule. 
And I don't know, um, with the amount of board games that we always play, you find that you'll pull out a game and you'll, you're going through it and you'll sometimes use the rule book just to make sure of something. Yeah. And I spotted something and I thought, I'm sure I forgot. I'd I know I'd forgotten that because I'd read it and went, oh, but I couldn't remember if I the previous games that we played, if we played with it or not. And it's one of the rules involving the gardener. So just quickly with Takenoku, um, it's a game where you can do one of three things. Uh, you can build the the garden. You can lay tiles out to build this type of garden. You can move uh, the gardener around to a tile. If the tile is irrigated, it grows bamboo on it. But with the gardener, um, if he moves to a green tile and there's other green tiles touching the tile that he's on, bamboo will grow there as well. And that was a rule that I'd forgotten. I couldn't remember. <laughs> it was one of those I thought, have, you have we played it like this before? And yeah, um, so... That would, uh, yeah, and then the other rule that you can, the other thing you can do is you can move the gut, um, the panda about, and he will eat the panda, uh, Wait, he will eat the bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just turned it into a completely different game there, yeah, but he'll eat, yeah, <laughs> mommy panda, um, but... daddy panda meet each other, and then the mommy panda eats the daddy panda, and then oh, no, 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 that's that's praying mantises that do that. I'm going to release my attack <laughs> over competitor right instead of pandas as probably Um But uh, yeah, so you've got uh, the panda that can eat the, the bamboo and then what happens after that is uh, you can get uh, objective cards and the objective cards give you points for eating certain amounts of bamboo or growing certain bamboo stalks and things or um, growing the placing the tiles in a certain pattern um, and once uh, once you've achieved nine different objectives you add up the, all the points and whoever's got the most points wins hmm. really love Takanoku and the adding in the chibis it just gives you another way to get a couple of more points. It adds a few more tiles in, a couple of rules about the tiles. Wasn't very difficult to add in, even after, the, I think it's been, you know, a year and a half since we last played Takenoku. And it was okay to remember the rules and add yeah. these new rules on yeah. top of it. It was okay. It wasn't like um, going back to Tiny Epic Galaxies. You could teach somebody the rules of takanoku with the chibis added in because it uh yeah. there's not more choice yeah th there's no more choice it just gives you more choice to earn points yeah yeah so it's not altering your strategy too much um a bit like uh five tribes as well is another one with um whenever we play five tribes now i will play with the expansion because it adds a different level into it mm -hmm. um and yeah, it just makes it a little bit more difficult to move your your meeples all around the place, but it doesn't make you know it's not like Tiny Epic Galaxies where it's not advisable to, where it's advisable not to do that. So, but yeah, highly recommended, and we'll need to play that again sometime. Cool. Cool. Uh, I think that's it for everything we've played. Have we got some news? Uh, yeah, but we're also growing real long, so... Yes, I yeah. I think maybe we should just skip news, go straight on skip to news. the releases. Yes. Cool. Cover the important stuff next week. <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. Paul, do you want to run through the new releases or are you, is your internet still giving us jip? It's still potato-like. <laughs> ah, right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, looking at stuff that is going to be coming out for a week ending July the 28th, it's a bumper week. There's lots of stuff coming out. So, uh, starting off on the 25th of July, we've got uh, a game from Team 17 called Avon Avoncourt. I'll try and say that again. <laughs> Avon Colony coming out for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I was actually about to ask if they sold fragrances there and different things, but you <laughs> fixed it. No, that's, yeah, yeah that's Avon. Wait, um, is, is this a colony <laughs> about permit schemes? Because I'm, I'm totally into this. Herbalife colony coming next. It's going to be so good. Yep. <laughs> so coming out on the 26th of July for the PS4 is Unbox Newbies Adventure. That one looks quite cool. That's like a 3D platformer where he plays a box. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bit bizarre. Uh, and then uh, a whole load of games coming out on the 28th of July so first one that we've got is uh, Canarium for PC never heard of it according to Google it's a chilling Lovecraftian game which follows a gripping story involving four scientists and their endeavour to challenge what we normally consider to be the absolute limits of nature oh okay uh, it, that doesn't matter well, what kind of game it is it's just a Lovecraftian <laughs> game some kind of horror game it looks quite pretty actually I think you may actually like this one, Mike. It looks kind of Bioshockish. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, we also have a Dawn of Andromeda coming out um, from the same publisher as well, so from Iceberg Interactive, and that's a PC game as well. Uh, Googling that, it's a 4X strategy game in space. Oh, okay. That's great. Cool. Uh, coming in. Out for the 3DS as well, we've got Dr. Kawashima's Devilish Brain Training. Can you stay focused? Yes, Kawashima's finally another, back. Another brain training? Yeah, they haven't done a brain training game in years. Like, this is the first one they've yes. done in a long time. They've been making a relatively yeah. big deal about it. Like, this is Kawashima, he's back. His name is on the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, Definitely interesting, I think. Um, keep an eye out for that one. Uh, also coming out from Iceberg Interactive, again, we've got a game called Empathy. This one's harder to Google because Empathy is just a concept that we all have. Yes. Hopefully. Most of yeah. Have. Um, the full <laughs> name is Empathy Path of Whispers. It's oh, okay. Atmospheric story-driven adventure game where you explore a seemingly abandoned world through the emotions and memories of the people who once inhabited it. Oh, okay. Uh, it looks like a walking simulator. It looks like a really pretty one, so could be good. Cool. Excellent. Uh, next, a game I'm still not 100% sure of. I like the look of it, but I don't know how it's going to turn out. Is a Fortnite from Gearbox Software coming for PC, PS4, and Xbox One? Yeah, I'm actually looking at that as well. Yeah, but given their um, track record, the last couple of games, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll reserve judgment on that one until it comes out. I think. Yeah, uh, this, is also, this is also this is the release of the early access. It's not a full release. All right. All okay. right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, okay. I might wait for the full release then. Yeah. Cool. Um, hey, Pikmin is coming out for 3DS. 
That's cool. That game looks good. It's like a two D Pitman yeah. game. Yeah, it does. It looks quite fun. Um, I don't know so if it's 3DS I anymore, but that's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I might, I might pick it up. Um, yeah. I've still got a, a couple of games in the 3DS to work through, but yeah, it looks definitely looks interesting. Um, Metopia is coming out as well. I, I'm not 100% sure what that is. I know it's it's another in-house game and it's using the Miis and things. Yeah, but, I'm not 100% sure either. Um, yeah, um, it's obvious. Sorry, I was just going to say that it's obviously just a, they're releasing that with the tie-in of the new Nintendo 2DS XL that they're bringing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Um, I think I don't know if it's similar to that one they did recently with the Mies that all live in the hotel and you're you go into each of the rooms and you give them things. Yeah, they go and talk to each other, and then you find out. I could. Reggie's fucking your mum and you're like, oh no, Reggie, don't do that. <laughs> what goes on in your head? What? That's what that game was. <laughs> Why do you think they're in a hotel? <laughs> um, rugby, so rugby league. Yes. <laughs> rugby league. R- rugby Rugby League Live 4 is coming out for the PS4 and Xbox One Final. on the 20th, 28th as well. Yep, finally. And also Shadow Tactics Blades of the Shogun that from Calypso Media. The Shadow Tactics game is supposed to be really uh, People were talking yeah. about it. I never played it, uh, but it's I don't know, apparently very similar to kind of older strategy games. Cool. Um... A new Starpoint Gemini. I don't know if this is an expansion or, but Starpoint Gemini has been around for a while. But Starpoint Gemini Warlords is coming out for the PC on the twenty eighth as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know either. Uh, yeah, Iceberg Interactive doing work. Love yeah, definitely. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then the game that everyone else has been waiting for. I know Paul has been shitting himself for this game. It's Top Trump's Turbo. Finally. Absolutely wetting myself about it. Coming out on the PlayStation Vita. Yeah, see? And people said the Vita was dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah this is, this is going to come along and put the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> yep, that is the final nail is, in the Vita coffin. As long as the Vita has vaguely pornographic visual novels coming out of Japan <laughs> and Top Trump's coming out of Britain, it will never die. <laughs> also true yep excellent that is all we've got for new releases hurrah Woo-hoo. hooray so is there anything else have we forgotten to do or um, no but since we skipped news and did mention it earlier in the podcast Arc System Works did announce a, a game that's a crossover game between Blaze Blue Persona for Ultimax Arena, whatever the fuck that was called, and what was the thing the Rooster Teeth did? RWBY. Yeah. RWBY. Oh yeah. And also, um, Undernight Inbirth. I forget the name of that series because it's fucking stupid named. Uh, but that's also a really good fighting game series. So they're doing like a 
tag game, tag style game like more first Capcom style, but it's Blaze Blue and all those other franchises, and it looks real mental, as you can expect. Yeah, nice. Um, we're all big fans of Arx games here, so definitely worth not missing it just because we're skipping those. Yes. Yes. Thoroughly looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Also, Trunks is going to be in Dragon Ball Z Fires. Are you guys excited about that? Yes. You guys love Trunks? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So, uh, I think the only thing left to do is thank everyone for listening to our nonsense. Yep. Yes. And with that big yawn, Paul, I think we'll all go to bed. Yes. That's reasonable. It is late. <laughs> cool. Uh, down ten minutes. That was... Yeah. I'm tired. Insert witty comment here. Good night. Good night. Bye. Uh...